This is Free Talk Live, and it is your show to take control of. If you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231, you can bring up anything. 1-800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We go right into your phone calls about what you want, and then uh, some bad cop stuff coming up for you. Dave is first in California. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Dave in California. Going once. Hi. Hey, you're on the air, Dave. What's on your mind tonight? You know, I got some weed at work today. Y'all want to try it out? Yeah, I do. I do enjoy a good, uh, good bit of weed. Now, which uh, which soundboard oh, is this? Hello? Dave? That's right. Is this, uh, is this uh, Dave? No, smoke. Do we smoke? Uh, I've smoked a number of times in my life. Mark, I think you've smoked in the past. In the past. In the past. How about you, Dave? Uh, let me get for a damn bag. Oh, I don't know if we're going to do any deals on the radio, my friend. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. That sounds like a real bad idea. I mean, the uh, you know doing weed deals over the radio. Yeah. You couldn't get much worse. I've heard of some bad ideas <laughs> on the parts of uh, of certain criminals who've been busted for crimes, uh, well, not necessarily should be crimes. I don't think that selling uh, cannabis or anything like that should be considered a crime, but not a good idea to uh, to announce anything like that on the air. Thanks for the call, though. 800-259-9231. Uh, let's go to the police story, since... Uh, I've got something here from William Norman Grigg, who actually is scheduled to be a speaker at this 2010 Liberty Forum, which is an event put on every year here in New Hampshire by the Free State Project, uh, the purpose of which is to encourage people to come on up here and check it out, check out New Hampshire, come up during the winter and check out New Hampshire and meet hundreds of other like-minded, liberty-oriented people who are all getting together for the purpose of becoming active for liberty. Uh, and so they invite all kinds of uh, speakers from different, uh, you know, some of them are more politically oriented, some not so much. And Will Grigg is going to be there. Now, he was supposed to be there last year, uh, but unfortunately he was preempted by a family emergency that As I think I kept, it, yeah. kept him home. Uh, so I was bummed by that. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing him, uh, which I may or may not because I'm only going to be there for a couple of days. But, Mark, you'll be there the entire time. and I will indeed. I'm sure someone will have a video camera rolling on this because uh, he is... He may be the most prolific author on uh, that we share on this show. When we when we get a chance to to share a, a, an essay with you that that we find online, it seems these days it's more often William Grigg than anybody else, because he's just that good at covering the absurdities and the outrages of the police state that we live in. And so that's what this is all about. It's called The Thin Blue Wine Part One: Police or rather rather petulant police demand impunity. He starts by saying that violence is unpredictable, chaotic, and thoughtless by its nature, observed Peter Taylor in a recent op-ed column published in The Oregonian. It doesn't like to be confined, and it doesn't lend itself to cooperation. It's saddening to see the effects of violence on its victims, those who witness it, and yes, those who also wield it against others. As the final clause in that sentence suggests, Taylor's point is not to sympathize with the victims of unpredictable, chaotic, and thoughtless violence, but rather to defend those who often employ it. Taylor is an officer with the Portland Police Bureau, and his column is intended or was intended to explain why he, along with several hundred others, took part in a protest march and rally outside of Portland's City Hall in defense of Officer Chris Humphreys. 
You know how those cops like to uh, get behind their buddies, right? The thin blue line gets together and they stand tall and stand us uh, stand at their side of their uh, their brethren. It doesn't seem to matter what their brethren do. Along with his comrades, Officer Taylor. Well, they won't always have uh, marches for them, but they do seem to. Uh, you know, th- th- I mean, that's the whole idea of a police union, right? Yep, uh, they were a customized T-shirt. Uh, this the guy that wrote this article, uh, not the article we're reading, but the article in the Oregonian, the cop wore a customized T-shirt containing the slogan "I am Chris Humphreys," except his name is Peter Taylor. Uh, he used the same rallying cry to wrap up his op-ed column, and like his comrades, Taylor, either through invincible innate ignorance or as a result blind blindness induced through cult-like devotion to his profession, click cannot understand that this description is an indictment. See, last month, Humphreys, the man they were rallying for, was put on administrative leave, which is money for nothing, a money for nothing proposition, meaning you get paid to not work, after shooting a 12-year-old girl, point blank, with a less lethal beanbag round during what we're all but required to call a fight or altercation on a max train platform in Portland. The 12-year-old, who was banned from traveling on the train, put up what resistance she could when Officer Aaron Douchy tried to place her under arrest. She was down on the ground and wasn't going anywhere when Humphreys, after circling around to find the best angle, shot her with the beanbag round. A third officer was present during the shot incident. Shot a 12-year-old girl on the ground? That's correct. Hmm. Just in case, and there were two officers holding her down at that time. A third officer was present during the I mean, incident. I why didn't he just punch her? I mean, isn't that what a beanbag round is like? Why didn't he just what, haul which, off and get clock her a good one right in the back of the head? It's a good question. Which would be more forceful? I would say I would say that the uh, that I'd say they'd be about the same. Quite honestly, I don't know. I'm I mean, curious. I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe you know. You're welcome to tell us at eight hundred two five nine. I mean, why not just give her a kick? Uh, this, surely this beanbag bang round uh, costs the people of uh, Oregon some money. Uh, it wouldn't have cost them anything if he would have just hauled off and kicked this twelve year old girl who was on the ground. Like I, I don't know. Uh, where where did he where did he shoot her? Uh, it's hard to say exactly because the video is not the the uh, the most clear. But nonetheless, he shot her while she was on the ground, and literally he was standing above her body, basically. A uh, third officer was present during the incident, just in case the two tax-engorged heroes couldn't handle the little girl. Two police officers should be able to handle an unarmed 12-year-old girl, even one of them who weighs 150 pounds, most of it bad attitude. I don't care how big she is, commented retired police officer Mike Davis, 30-year veteran of the Portland Police Bureau. Two grown men using proper holds, which they're trained in, should be able to subdue her and get her into the police car without incident. You know, they're just, they, the police today just rely far too much on this equipment that they have. And this equipment that they have Why shouldn't hurts they? people. They don't have any consequences. Right, they have to no pay. consequences, and that's the problem. Davis, who now works for a fitness company, believes that the episodes of this sort are the inevitable product that results from adding less lethal toys to the arsenal of physically unfit police officers. The officers are in pathetic shape for the most part, he told the Oregonian. If you don't have any confidence that you can handle something physically, you go up the ladder too quickly on the continuum of force. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. These uh, When you used to watch T.J. Hooker, that guy ran all the time. Mm. Well, <laughs> just kidding. But, you know, they... Um, the, the fact is, these guys should be able to run and um, you know apply these holds. They should get fit more physical training than they do. As a result, police rely tested on it too much on the little tools that we've got: uh, taser, mace, beanbag gun, asp. You can't shoot everyone. You can't taser everyone. Well, maybe we can. 
When fired at point-blank range, a beanbag round can seriously injure or even kill a victim. So the victim was lucky to escape with a bad bruise. But this isn't the only reason the girl shot by Officer Humphreys should consider herself fortunate. The last time Humphreys was involved in a case of excessive force, that victim didn't survive. On September 17, 2006, Humphreys was one of the three law enforcement officers who was chased who chased down and beat to death a 145-pound schizophrenia victim named James Chase. A, su- a successful musician, rather, he was known to many people in his neighborhood as a gentle and talented man, su- successful musician and artist. Before the onset of his mental illness, Chase was beaten so severely by the bold and valiant guardians of the public that nearly all of his ribs were fractured. Jeez. Several of them had been pulverized. He was also treated to, uh, treated to a dose from law enforcement's fav- favorite non-lethal toy, the portable electroshock torture device, more commonly called the taser. A coroner's report listed blunt force trauma as the cause of Chase's death. The official report on Chase's arrest described the cause of death as broad-based blunt force chest trauma consistent with an impact in which the victim was slammed against a hard surface with a body on top of him. Yep. In short, with being pancaked. Chase weighed 142 pounds. Humphreys, a well-fed tax feeder, outweighed him by roughly 100 pounds. Humphreys initially claimed he didn't land on Chase, but rather <laughs> went right Crushed over rib cage. Rather went right over and passed him. That would mean that the fatal concussive blows that wrecked nearly all of Chase's ribs were the result of either hands-on brutality or an immaculate beating by unseen creatures from another realm. My money's on some combination of pancaking and gang violence inflicted by Humphreys and his comrades. There's more to the story here, including what the witnesses at that scene had to say about it. And we'll share it with you in moments here. 800-259-9231. Protect and serve. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring in whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features on the site for free, so enjoy those, including the Shrine of Female listeners. Brand new Shriner up there on the site right now. Robin is her name. You can go and see uh, see Robin at uh, shrine.freetalklive.com. Again, shrine.freetalklive.com. And if you are a lady listener who would like to uh, participate in the Shrine, it's not a beauty contest. It's open to anybody as long as you're of female persuasion. Uh, head on over to shrine.freetalklive.com to get the details on how to get your picture or video in. Uh, it has to be validating. Uh, that means it, it, you show in the picture or video that you are a listener of Free Talk Live. How you do that is up to you. Commonly, it's usually some sort of signage uh, that uh, that shows evidence. Anyway, uh, head on over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see it for yourself. Thanks to all of our lovely uh, shrine ladies speaking of ladies how would you like to get your uh, a non-lethal weapon in the hands of uh, your lady this holiday season uh, with the stopping power that uh, rivals that of a handgun it's the tiger light it's an incredibly bright flashlight with an integrated pepper spray right in it its high level of utility comes from the fact that it is out and in your hand unlike other weapons and there's no expectation by the uh, the bad guy that you have a weapon or your loved one has a weapon 
It's a Tiger Light. You can get one today at tiger.freetalklive.com. I don't know why you are pigeonholing the Tiger Light as a, a ladies' thing. I would carry the Tiger Light. The one that we're uh, – I, and I, I do. Um, I we, can tell you, I've, one. I've had a gun on me in the past during a situ- situation in which a gun could have been used. I didn't use it, uh, thank goodness, because then I would have had a, you know, a dead body on my hands. Yep. But uh, a Tiger Light would have changed everything. Right. Yep, absolutely. It's it's absolutely a great uh, a weapon, um, a utility thing for a for a man. However, the one that w- that we're selling traditionally is aimed at women. But you know, I mean, I don't see any reason why it's a bright flashlight. Males and females use flashlights. Yeah. It's a pepper spray that uh, you know that 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 is just far more effective than other pepper sprays because of the way it's designed and everything. And you know. I, I don't know. It's marketed upset, that way. I was upset at you when you showed it to me because you didn't get me one. Of them I'm gonna. Yet. I'm working on that. Okay. I, I'm working on it. I, I want <laughs> you to have one. I do. So it's tiger.freetalklive.com. Yes, tiger.freetalklive.com. Maybe I get you one for Christmas. We're gonna get back to uh, the the story here from the Pro Libertat blog. William Norman Grigg. There's a lot more to say about this bad cop, one of many bad apples, and of course all the other apples are uh, the other police officers are gathering around to defend him. We'll tell you more about him and what he's done here in a bit. But let's get to some phone calls. Larry's on the line in Norway. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Larry. Alaric, dude. Alaric. Hey. Uh... hey. I just thought, uh, since I, me and my wife happened to be driving right uh, right into that spiral thing up in the air, thought I'd call in and talk about it. Yeah, this uh, was it's made big news earlier this week when what allegedly was a Russian uh, test of a rocket or a missile of some sort that created yeah. a very strange-looking spirally pattern in the sky with a, what looked, appeared to be blue light coming out of it, uh, which apparently was actually just the smoke, and somehow it was illuminated. I'm not sure how all that works, the atmospheric conditions or, or whatever. But uh, tell me about it. Well, I don't, uh, I don't know how that blue light got there either, but that stayed up there for a long time, and it was pretty dark. But it looked a lot more like a firework uh, in real life than it did in... Uh, uh, on YouTube, mm-hmm. it, it would look it was a lot more sparkly. Well, it the like YouTube it was spitting out flames, yeah, the actual the, spiral part. The YouTube videos, you're going to have a tough time because uh, most people just have a regular old video camera, and the fact is, those don't, those don't record too well at night. Uh, so the, some of the pictures are really the most stunning, I think, from you know from looking at it from far away. Obviously, you got to see it in person. Uh, but the, yeah, the, the photos are tremendous, and you can't get the scope of it by looking at the YouTube videos. And you have to imagine that uh, the people that could see it, and a lot of people could see it because it happened at 8 in the morning while a lot of kids were uh, waiting for the school bus. Hmm. So there was a lot of witnesses. The funny thing about it was I, the, I we just watched the whole thing happen, and, and it stopped when the the middle went poof. And then the spiral kind of disappeared, and then there was just kind of this glowing circle of blue for a minute or two. And I turned immediately to my wife, and I said, you don't mention this to anybody unless they mention it first. (laughs) And I didn't hear a thing about it, and I come home at uh, 10 p.m., and I go on FARC, and there it was. I pretty much forgot about it. But nobody said anything. It turns out there was a lot of people that had seen it, but that policy of don't say anything first, don't... What were you? Were Don't you afraid say, that someone was going to come after you or something? I, I, I don't know. I thought maybe we both maybe went crazy, or people would say we were crazy I or see. something like okay. that. That's a, I think it's a legitimate. I concern. keep that kind of stuff to myself. Dude. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame you for that. 
But anyway, the next day it was on the second page of the newspaper. But what's really interesting about it is how little a big deal it is. So it turns out that it's suspected of being a a missile from a submarine. And Obama came to Norway the day after. It was a real big deal. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, this would have been big news not too long ago if Russia was lobbing missiles up over a country. It might they'd make a little bit bigger deal out of it instead. Hey, that was kind of a neat piece of firework. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea why it's changed so much in such a short time. Yeah, you make a totally legitimate point, and I thank you for that. Anything else on your mind tonight? Nah, just uh, uh, congratulations on the president of the United States getting the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, amazing. It's actually, a mystery to most of the Norwegians why he got it too. So. And then going on to defend uh, in his Nobel Peace Prize right. speech, uh, do Mongrel. what I tell you. I'm going to come over to there and kick your butt. Right. It's hilarious. Thank you, Larry, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk to uh, John. Actually, Larry wasn't his name. Darn it, John. You're on Free Talk, Larry. I think this is John on the amp line. Hello, who is this? Uh, this is John. John, what's uh, on your mind? I, I, I'm almost embarrassed to come in with this after you know the police brutality and the uh, you know Russian missile tests being ignored. But the other night, Mark was talking about what sort of statue should be built in his honor. Should he actually bring the Free State Project to completion? And you know what sort of animals should he ride upon, if uh, any? And I'm thinking the only appropriate one is a giant porcupine <laughs> with his statue's face. Comported in such a way as one would look, riding a giant porcupine. It would hurt. Yeah, yeah, it would. That would be uncomfortable, especially a giant porcupine. I guess I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't you could hurt part as much. the quills and sit sit on it. Would it would it hurt more to ride on a, a giant porcupine or a smaller porcupine? Because would wouldn't the quills be larger on a giant porcupine? I would think easier to support you. I I don't know. Probably still be pretty pointy. Anyway, John, thanks for that. Anything else on your mind? Um, no, no, I'll let you back to the more important discourse. <laughs> Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. In fact, we uh, had a, a, a nice little interview with Varen Swearingen from the Free State Project. He's the president of the Free State Project, and we'll tell you more about the Free State Project here in a bit. Uh, but that interview is expected to appear on tomorrow night's show. Yeah, uh, you're going to have to wait for it. It's a secret interview. You podcast can't. only. It's one of the uh, Edgington Post interview series. Mark, you've been doing a, a number of, I, I don't know how many of they have been there. A couple dozen at this point. Yeah, dozens. Uh, you've you've been doing some interviews because you've always wanted to uh, interview certain people. And, right. Uh, I, I've gotten sick of asking you to do interviews and you saying no. Yeah. So uh, I finally managed to teach you how to press the record button mm-hmm. and uh, do some basic editing, and uh, you've managed to do most of it yourself. Um, so you'll hear somebody tonight. I knew right? how to do the basic editing. It was uh, you know other parts of it that I who's, just. Who's going to be on tonight's podcast? Tonight's uh, Jim Forsyth. Uh, it's he's the president of the New Hampshire uh, Republican Liberty Caucus. All right, you can take control of the airwaves at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. More about the bad cop or whatever you want to talk about coming up on Free Talk Live eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It's time. Wake up. This is just in case you care. And yeah, I'm talking to you. That's my booklet of truth for the people of America and the wake up call for action to save our freedom. Get a copy for you and your friends at yamtalkingtoyou.com and get involved with saving our country. That's yamtalkingtoyou.com. If you want to be part of the solution, otherwise, just go back to sleep. You'll adjust to enslavement. (laughs) 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features including the updates. Get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. You can go to updates.freetalklive.com, get on the list free. In fact, I sent out an update today announcing both our new Shriner and the fact that we have an auction going on. You can bid on the fifth banner on the website. You'll win it for an entire month. You can advertise virtually anything. Uh, just go to auction.freetalklive.com to place your bid on that. Bidding started at a dollar. Not sure where it's at right now, but um, you can get it for an entire month. Fifth, uh, fifth banner at auction.freetalklive.com. We started the show out with a story from William Norman Grigg over at Lou Rockwell. Uh, he frequently is featured at lourockwell.com. This is from his blog, uh, which is called Prolibertate or Prolibertat. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. But nonetheless, he does a super job of keeping tabs on the insanity of the police state. And what he's telling us about uh, now is over in the Portland area, there's a particular police officer, Humphreys, Chris Humphreys, who has been defended by his buddies in the thin blue line outside Portland City Hall. They had a protest march and rally in favor of their buddy officer, Chris Humphreys, where cops wore a customized T-shirt containing the slogan, I am Chris Humphreys. So the suggestion there is that you go after Chris Humphreys, you go after all of us. You know, that we, we are Chris Humphreys, collectively. That's yes. the idea. Uh, this guy was, uh, is, I guess people are upset at him because he shot a 12-year-old girl who was on the ground being uh, dealt with by another cop or two, in essentially at point-blank range with a beanbag round, which according to Greg, can actually injure, seriously injure or even kill people at point-blank range. But that's not all. He also was involved a few years ago in uh, killing a man who was a 145-pound man. This guy, uh, Chris Humphreys, is over 100 pounds, uh, weighs more than 100 pounds than this guy. Uh, 240 pounds. Yeah. And so the autopsy revealed that essentially all of his ribs were, were broken. Some of he, them were, he was pulverized. were pulverized. Yeah. Uh, likely the because skinny little man was hit so hard by this big man that it crushed his rib cage. Yes. Broke every single rib. Witnesses on the scene describe how Humphreys and his colleagues, also uh, tax feeders only operate in packs now, remember, repeatedly punched and kicked the victim. The officers did admit in the highly qualified, self-justifying language of trained liars to using pressure point strikes and judiciously applied blows with fists and forearms but by that time according to the post-mortem were incidental to chase's death the fatal damage had already been done by the time those blows were struck chase's offense you know what were they going after him for right right he's psychopathic or whatever the term you use schizophrenic not right? Psychopathic. yes schizophrenic that's not necessarily psychopathic no sorry um but what did he do what do you think uh, I, I i don't know must have hurt somebody to, to deserve a, a beating that bad right you would think Maybe raped a, a small child or something. No, his offense was public urination. How weird. The beating he endured, however, was street justice administered for the supposed crime of contempt of cop, which he committed by fleeing from the armed strangers who accosted him, as would any rational person incapable of effectively defending himself against the state's designated agents of unpredictable, chaotic, and thoughtless violence. After being beaten to within an inch of his life, Chase was taken to jail. He slipped that final inch and in route to the hospital, not in an ambulance, mind you, but bound hand and foot in the back of a police car. 
Nearly two hours had elapsed between the beating and Chase's death, much of it wasted at the local jail, rather than take him directly to the hospital. Mm. Detention officers, after taking a good look at the victim, refused to book him into the jail, demanding that he be taken to a hospital instead. He had received, had he received immediate medical help, Chase might still be alive. An ambulance was available on site after the arrest, but the droogs who murdered him, Officer Humphreys and Kyle Nice and Deputy Brett Burton, who has since been hired by the Portland Police Bureau, had other priorities. When it comes to beating and hog-tying people on the streets, the murder of James Chase wasn't Chris Humphreys' first rodeo. An investigation conducted by the independent Willamette Week discovered that Humphreys has used force more often than almost all of the other 785 officers whose arrests were cataloged. Sounds like this guy needs to go to me. I mean, no, 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 no. All of his buddies are behind him, Mark. I don't They're care. not going anywhere. His buddies have <laughs> poor judgment. Only one officer has, you come after one of us, you come after all of us. That's we are the feel. thin blue line, the brotherhood. Yep. Only one officer had been involved in a greater number of use of force incidents. Humphreys was second among 422 officers who used takedowns, restraining holds, and pressure points on suspects, among 295 officers who'd, who'd used impact strikes, the use of punches, kicks, batons, or flashlights. Humphreys was at the top of the list. He was number five on the hit parade of officers who had injured suspects. Of the 17 suspects injured at his hands, only two of them were taken to a hospital. In one episode, Humphreys struck a man 30 times with his baton before discovering... Duh, that the victim wasn't the suspect he was after. This incident led to a lawsuit against the Portland municipal government that was settled for $90,000 in taxpayer money. Cheap. Of course, uh, Humphreys doesn't have to pay for anything when he makes a mistake. Under the, the, in, the rare oper- in the rare occasion that somebody actually does get some kind of settlement out of, uh, out of the city, it never comes out of the pockets of the men and women who actually do the victimizing. It comes out of taxpayers' pockets. Under the terms of that settlement, by the way, Humphreys wasn't required to even admit wrongdoing. Last July, Multoma County hit up the taxpayers for another $925,000 to settle a lawsuit filed by James Chase's family. This happened after the PPB Review Board reportedly cleared Humphreys and his cohorts of wrongdoing. Not that there was a great deal of suspense involved in awaiting the board's ruling, of course, because that's how it normally happens. You can put money on it whenever a cop is accused of doing something horrific. Uh, 99 times out of 100, the review board comes back with a to- completely exonerated uh, situation where they, oh, it was completely by the book what, what our officers did. Sure, he uh, tortured that man and uh, you know extinguished his life, but that's okay. It's by the rules. Well, um, obviously you don't have any data for that, but I think that you're probably pretty close. You're in the ballpark with that 99% number. Last July, uh, excuse me, it, so. it, and I think it depends on the severity of the case, but it's still, um, you know, the, as when it gets more severe and more severe, you may only get up to nine times out of ten. So even if one concludes that Chase's death was the result of a tragic mishap rather than a crime, Humphreys still has the kind of baggage that would make him at best a dubious representative of the police, wouldn't you say? I mean, Sounds that way. We've cited just a few of his incidents, and we can't catalog them all here, or we'll be on all night long. Yet Sergeant Scott Westerman, the capo, uh, I don't know what that is. A capo, capo? Is, a, uh, is, is a guy from the mob, like a dog. Oh, okay. The capo of the Portland Police Union insists that Humphreys has always exemplified everything one could imagine a police officer should be. That is to say, all cops should be Christopher Humphreys, which would mean, of course, there would be nothing wrong with all detainees ending up like James Chase. 
Humphreys was put on administrative leave, a supposedly punitive paid vacation, after shooting the 12-year-old with a beanbag shotgun. This decision riled up Westerman and his knuckle-draggers, who began howling that Humphreys had suffered enough. Following a union no-confidence vote in the above-mentioned street march, Police Chief Rosie Sizer and Police Commissioner Dan Saltzman decided to placate the armed legions by putting Humphreys back on active duty, albeit behind a desk. In a spectacularly perverse coda to the affair, Humphreys, the one whose bulk inflicted the mortal injuries on an incurably sick, helpless man, the same officer who rarely considers it necessary to take the victims of his officially sanctioned violence to the hospital, has filed a stress disability claim. This little bit of benefit spiking will probably pay off handsomely when it comes time for Humphreys to collect his taxpayer-provided union pension. None of his victims, past or future, will enjoy the same benefits, of course, and the taxpayers will continue to absorb the costs of indemnifying the unpredictable, chaotic, and thoughtless violence carried out by police who insist that the public should see Humphreys as Chaucer's parfait, gentle knight rather than a marauding misfit with a government-issued license to kill. Portland police are all about imposing discipline, not exercising it, observes Oregonian columnist Steve Dwin, who laments the culpable neglect displayed by an aloof police commissioner, absentee mayor, and anything-goes police chief. That Humphreys is considered a model police officer by the police union comes at no surprise to critics of the increasingly militarized Portland Police Bureau. So, there's more to this. 800-259-9231. We'll take your calls about whatever you want. You can bring up anything to control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. More bad cops coming up. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Libby's 100% Pure Pumpkin. Learn how to give everyday recipes a nutritional boost with the power of pumpkin at VeryBestBaking.com. When choosing fruits and vegetables, orange or yellow are your best bets. Vegetables like butternut squash, pumpkin, or yellow peppers are rich in nutrients that are linked with lower risks of certain cancers and heart disease. On the fruit side, cantaloupe, bananas, and oranges offer the same benefits, plus one more. Kids love them. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. You've got shopping to do for the holiday season, or maybe you just need some stuff for you. Uh, you can get it done. You can get it in dozens of categories, used item, uh, used items even, over at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a cut of the purchase. Same prices, it's just you're entering through our door, so they're cutting us a, a percentage of their profits. So head over to amazon.freetalklive.com. As we go to Andy in New Hampshire, we'll continue talking about the uh, the Portland thugs, uh, the police department, in a moment. But Andy, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, you were talking about Will Grigg, so I thought we can continue on with that. Um, I've been reading LRC for a while now, and I've That's also noticed that, uh, Yes, I'm sorry. And Will Grigg in particular, because he's been bringing about the abuses of the... Uh, so-called police who are supposed to be protecting us, but that's uh, a farce. They protect themselves and nobody else. What do you expect when this guy gets, basically gets off with uh, murder, if you will, and you got the yes. police department uh, sweeping everything under the rug because that's what they do. 
Yeah, that's right. They got to protect their own because you know if one of them gets in trouble, they all just have to back him up because they know they'd want the same treatment if they got in trouble for hurting somebody that they shouldn't have hurt. That's 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 the thing, and that's what drives me up a wall is because there is no independent review of this whole thing. They just circle the wagons and protect themselves. And, and even if there is a review board, even if there is a review board, they're pretty much neutered for the most part, from what I understand of the various police review boards that do exist a- across the country. There's not much that they can do. Well, this is like giving the keys to the liquor cabinet to an alcoholic. It's not a good idea. And you got the cops basically, excuse the expression, policing themselves. Really doesn't make any sense. You needed some sort of an independent review board in order to get this guy brought up on charges, what he should be. Well, this guy, what he's what he's done was basically kill this guy, murder would, or at least second degree, anyways, for what do they call manslaughter? There is what these cops should be brought up on charges. But trying to get any police officer up on charges for anything is extremely difficult. It, it would be the yeah, it would be the, the the very easiest step in this would say this guy doesn't understand the judicious use of force and to kick him off of the squad, um, you know, un, with with some kind of uh, you know prejudice that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, as Ian as, as often says, these citizen review boards, uh, they they are in place around the country, and they don't really seem to be terribly effective in, in handling uh, p- police brutality. I mean, it, no. it occurs in places where they are and, and where they are And you can't bring the charges. You can't right. do anything about it. No, unfortunately, that's the thing. Ian, if you scroll down a little further, you see about these uh, this young family who was pepper sprayed by, the, by uh, police officers. When they're trying to get away from a dangerous situation, instead the cops made things even more difficult. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about it here. Uh, yeah. we're, we're definitely going to get to that. Anything else you want to comment on? No, I think that'll do, but Thanks, uh, Andy. keep up the good work, guys. Appreciate the Have call. Yep, we're going to continue telling you about the uh, the Portland Police Department. Because remember, they are saying, the union uh, leader is saying here of this police officer who recently shot a 12-year-old girl with a beanbag gun at point-blank range and has been involved in countless other uh, incidents of violence and the excessive use of force against people. Uh, but you know what kind of a department backs this guy up, right? There's more to meet, uh, more than meets the eye here. And uh, well, that, that Humphreys, the officer in question, is considered a model police officer by the police union comes as no surprise to the critics of the increasingly militarized Portland Police Bureau. As is the case elsewhere in recent years, this again, Will Grigg uh, from LouRockwell.com, the PPB has become increasingly aggressive. Even as violent crime has continued the downward trend, it has followed pretty consistently for more than a decade and a half. Uh, Dwin lists some particularly egregious examples. Eunice Crowder, here you go. A 71-year-old blind woman was pepper sprayed with such enthusiasm that her glass eye popped out of its socket. Police then shot her with a taser four times as she lay in the dirt. None of the officers responsible for that atrocity were disciplined. Barbara Weish, a 58-year-old art gallery owner, was convicted of contempt of cop when she reacted with disdain after being given a ticket by motorcycle uh, motorcycle cop Greg Aldrian. After pursuing Weich for a short distance and pulling her over, Adrian hit her in the face with enough force to leave bruising on her cheek and neck. Is that one of those uh, pressure point strikes that they uh, that they're talking about? Yeah, it's the nose point. Yep. Uh, I love that terminology, a pressure point strike. It sounds so much better than hauling off and wailing yeah. on some woman for uh, for smart-mouthing. Right. It's, it sounds much more tactical than we jacked her. Yep. Uh, then grabbed her arm, pulled it through the window, twisted it, put his weight on it, and fractured it. Nice. Officer Adrian, of course, was never disciplined. The experience of Don Joan's family offers a useful snapshot of the vulgar arrogance and casual violence that define Portland's police culture. And don't think this is just endemic to Portland. 
In August 2002, George W. Bush inflicted himself on Portland, which meant that the local police were deployed in riot gear to keep demonstrators caged inside free speech zones. At one point, a contingent of police unleashed a volley of pepper spray against protesters who weren't content to be cattle penned in a holding area blocks away from the presidential route. Local activist Don Joen, who had brought his wife and three children, you know, it's a political thing, right? I mean, the president's going to be out, we're going to protest, we're going to have a little uh, political uh, event with the family. Some families do that. Brought his three children out, including an 11-month-old baby, sought to leave the area without being trampled by the protesters or baptized in pepper spray by the jackboots. He turned to a police officer obstructing an exit and asked how he and his family could leave the embattled intersection. He pointed and said to an exit, uh, said to exit to the northeast into the spraying police opposite him, Joan re- <laughs> recalled. With the crowd pressing down on him and his children, Joan plead, uh, pleaded with the officer to let him and his family through. He looked at me and drew out his can from his hip and sprayed directly at me, Joan recalled. Joan didn't bear the brunt of that criminal what a assault. jerk. But his three-year-old caught some of the blast. Then the assailant uh, turned on Joan's wife and the infant and doused both of their heads entirely from a distance of less than three feet. Nice. Nice. What, what is wrong with these psychopaths? For several panicked minutes, Joan tried to flee the area and find help for his family. The police, you know, those helpful people, according to official propaganda, are supposed to protect innocent people from criminal violence, reacted by closing ranks and blocking the Joan's family's escape. They didn't relent until someone in authority gave them permission to let the anxious man and his family leave. See, Mark, they had to get uh, approval to let the man out of the free speech zone from one of their superiors. They can't just make a decision like that on their own. So uh, for his trouble, he was pepper sprayed and his children and wife also pepper sprayed. The last thing Joan heard from the heroes in blue as he departed was the derisive comment, that's why you shouldn't bring kids to protests. Indeed, if you do, there's a good chance they'll be victims of a criminal assault, one that would be described as an act of terrorism involving a weapon of mass destruction, a chemical weapon, if carried out against a government official at the hands of the police. We are constantly told that the increasingly frequent episodes of criminal violence by police are aberrations, and that most police are good, decent, honorable people. I think that at one time that was far more true um, here in the United States. At least I, I, I imagine, it's my conservative blood that imagines that that was so, and I do think it was so, and I think that it's the fact that they've just hired so many more police that now they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Like, like I mean, they're they're advertising on Facebook and uh, now uh, to to you know just to everybody. Like many others, says Greg, I know people in that line of work who meet that description still today. My question is this: Just where the hell are those good, decent, honorable police officers when their comrades are committing crimes of the kind committed against Don Joan's children? Right. How can a police officer? As far officer as I can tell, this this officer that was spraying an infant with uh, with pepper spray probably, if if he shouldn't have been tased by his fellow officers, um, should have. I mean, they should have stepped in, and, and in my opinion, they should have whipped out their taser and just shot him in the chest. How can a police officer direct a weaponized stream of caustic solution into the face of a terrified 11-month-old baby in the serene knowledge that nobody among his peers would object. What does it say about the police culture in Portland that the reaction of the officers on site was to rebuke the father of that infant rather than grabbing the assailant and beating some decency into him? Well, thanks to the Portland Police Union, we now have our answer. This kind of thing is to be expected of police officers in that city because each of them is Christopher Humphreys. 
800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. But that's okay, taxpayers. Just keep paying for it because, you know... That's what you're supposed to do. Do your, do, do your take duty. your house away if you don't. That's right. These same criminals will be sent to uh, throw you and your family out into the street and do who knows what to you if you don't pay their salaries. So what do you do about this? I don't know. I, I, what do you do about it? You come here to New Hampshire. You That's get, it. You get together with other like-minded people who actually care, give a damn, and get uh, and are willing to stand up for freedom, and we figure out what the hell to do about it. I'd like to see a property tax revolt at some point, but that's going to take some that's going to take some participation. By the time we have enough people to participate in that, maybe we'll have enough to swing the political uh, situation in our direction, and, and who knows what. Sure, that if can. you cut property taxes, um, you know, by seventy-five percent, nobody's going to really argue about paying them. Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. But, hey, Portland's not the only city with police issues. Apparently, some cops were recently shot or uh, shot at. There was a shootout in New York City, and the mayor is shocked that guns exist in his city. They're banned there, you know. Uh, Hour 2 is coming up. Uh, We'll share that with you. Or you can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231 as we launch here into the second hour of the program. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Again, we'll take your calls about anything. Starting things out here this hour, the story from New York City. And how it is that uh, apparently there's still guns in that there city. I mean, they've had gun bans in New York City for a long time. They should be all cleared out by now, right? They ban them. People pay attention to that stuff. They they, they hop to it when uh, when the government bans something. And they immediately rid their lives of whatever it is that has uh, has been banned, whatever the item is. I mean, there's no there should not be any marijuana there should be no cocaine, no guns at all in, in New York City, but shock well, and awe there certainly are. Certainly. Um, we, I mean, e- even if we, we know that some, some people in, in society won't uh, obey these bans, but, I mean, the New York City Police Department is one of the largest police departments in the world, if not the largest police department in the world. Surely you can have the largest police department in the world. They would be able to handle something like making sure that its citizens don't carry around deadly weapons. Especially deadly projectile weapons. 
Well, I guess they need to tweak their program a little bit, Mark. Uh, according to the Associated Press, the mayor of New York City rallied, or ra- excuse me, not rallied, railed against gun violence on Friday, one day after a street peddler died in a shootout with police outside a hotel in bustling Times Square. Raymond Martinez, 25, was killed by... You know, a- this, is, uh, this is even worse. This is in Times Square. I mean, it's an island, people. You'd think you'd be able to keep guns off of the island of Manhattan. I mean, it's surrounded in water. The problem is, is that if you want to, you know, keep everybody from having a gun, you're going to have to crack so far down on everyone's freedom that they don't want to live where it is that you have this gun ban. You'd have to do house to house searches and regular vehicle you'd have to searches. Shake people down. Yeah. Well, Raymond, Mar- let's see what they're proposing here, because uh, this guy, Martinez, was killed by a claim- plainclothes sergeant Thursday after trading gunfire in an area crowded with tourists and holiday shoppers. Michael Bloomberg was asked about the shooting while appearing at a Manhattan charity event, and he used the question to discuss one of his signature issues. Now, this guy's a Republican, right? Yes. Illegal firearms and gun violence in New York and other big cities. We have got to stop this, Bloomberg said. There is... This is one of the great public health threats, and our police officers are clearly in danger. My goodness, we can't They're have the that. They're the ones with the guns. Why are they in danger? Investigators were trying to determine I mean, if whether... If the guns are so dangerous, why are you giving them to the cops? Investigators were trying to determine whether Martinez was selling illegal weapons before he was fatally wounded in the taxi area of the, the landmark Marriott Marquis Hotel. They say the gun he fired was reported stolen in Richmond, Virginia, back in October. We keep getting this lesson every day, said Bloomberg. If you think of all the publicity about the terrible tragedy of Virginia Tech, we have a Virginia Tech in this country every day. It's just spread across 50 states. Police say Martinez was carrying several business cards linked to Virginia gun dealers near Richmond in Hampton Roads and in Evor. All the gun shops declined to comment. One card had a handwritten message on the back. I just finished watching The Last Dragon. I feel sorry for a cop if he think I'm getting into his paddy wagon. According to police, it's unclear who wrote the message, apparently referencing a 1985 martial arts movie. The shootout occurred in the theater district. Bullets shattered windows at the Broadway Baby Souvenir Store and a box office. Broadway Baby manager Jonathan Ehrlich was still reeling Friday. Police said he was lucky to be alive. He said he heard boom, boom, boom and a quick spat of uh, splat of glass before ducking behind the counter. That was a bullet, he recalled screaming. The, fl- the slug sliced down the center of a book about the show Wicked, struck a souvenir baseball and lodged in a shelf holding I Love New York t-shirts. It's insane. No one else got hurt, said Ehrlich. And it is, you know, fortunate that this man was not uh, Absolutely. Was not injured. <laughs> Certainly. But huh, wh- why... If they wouldn't have banned guns in the first place, then they wouldn't have been investigating this guy for selling illegal guns because the guns he was would have been selling, he wouldn't have necessarily had to have been selling on the street because people in New York would have been able to go to gun shops to buy, buy them. them. So this entire horrific incident that has stirred people up and uh, has made it, you know, the mayor has commented and uh, people have been freaked out because, hey, gunfire in, uh, in a, anywhere is... If you're in a city location, it's kind of a freaky thing. If you're out here in the woods in New Hampshire, it's no big deal. People pop off uh, rounds out in their property all the time. Yeah, we call it, uh, my, you know, my neighbors and I just go out and, you know, my neighbors around me go around and shoot and that kind of thing. And they call it returning fire. You know, somebody's shooting and they, they go out and they shoot at their targets and, and all that stuff. 
So the point here, though, is that if there were no prohibition on guns, if there was no prohibition on guns, number one, people could actually defend themselves. Of course, that's the most obvious point. Uh, they'd be able to carry weapons to defend themselves from uh, violent criminals. But people like this would not need to be dealing guns on street level because they would be uh, put out of business by all the legitimate gun dealers op- operating at a shop level. Well, I think that it's um, it's it's and know, simple-minded to, to, to – I mean, you know, I don't want to suggest that – there wouldn't be crime in a world where um, everybody was allowed to have a weapon to defend themselves, where they had the right to keep and bear arms, as our Constitution uh, says they should. Um, you know, I'm not saying that there wouldn't be crime. However, people would be better able to handle that crime. Right now, if crime goes on, what do you get to do? You call 911 and hope that you survive yeah. for the next 15, 10, 15, 20 minutes. So what actually happened here? Well, Sergeant Christopher Newsom operates a task force that monitors aggressive panhandling and was patrolling with an anti-crime unit. He recognized Martinez and his brother from past run-ins, asked to see tax stamps required for street peddling. Martinez ran. Newsom pursued. Martinez turned and fired a machine pistol that held 30 rounds, getting off two shots before it jammed, police said. The officer fired four times, striking Martinez in the chest and arms. He said in the, the shooting preliminarily appeared to be within department guidelines, which allow for deadly force when an officer's life is threatened. And maybe that's the case. I mean, if the guy was shooting at a cop the, by their own justifications, it, likely it's uh, justified for the cop to shoot back. But the entire thing was unnecessary. And that's the, really the point I wanted to make here. What are they going to do about this? How are they well, going to... Well, aggressive panhandling. I mean... Um... You know, I, I think people should be able to buy and sell, um, you know, on their own property, and you know that should be okay. Public property makes things much more difficult because, well, everybody in the public supposedly has the right to be there. So, if you have the right to be someplace, shouldn't you have the right to sell while you're buy and sell while you're there? So, I mean, it it, it makes a much more difficult issue. Yep. Uh, so, by the way, it's not uncommon for the police to arrest hawkers on more serious charges. They, uh, the captain said there have been more than 400 peddler arrests this year, and illegal activity has been increasing. Uh, police said that Martinez brothers were cited previously for not having their stamps. They were also suspected of running a scam, asking someone's name, writing it on a CD, and then demanding payment of $10. So were these the uh, the most upstanding members of society? Maybe not. But then again, uh, there are a lot of things that could have prevented all of this from happening. Number one, having private property would have uh, would prevent panhandling big time in comparison to the public property situation that we have today. Because if property is owned privately, then the private property owners have a much greater incentive to assure to ensure that uh, th- that their customers are not being hassled by panhandlers. One time I was going into a grocery store down in Florida, and there was some guy panhandling right outside the grocery store's front doors. And I went in, and I, I informed the manager that that was going on outside. I, I thought the manager would want to know about something like that. Not great so, for business. Yeah, get that guy out of here. It's your private property. You have the right to do it. But if you're in a public place, then everybody has the supposed right to be there. And like you say, Mark, they should be able to sell stuff if they want to. It's supposedly their property, too, right? So private property would solve the panhandler issue, I think, in a major way. And, of course, not banning firearms in the first place would solve the issue of shootouts in the streets with gun dealers, period. So more freedom's the answer here, but you're not going to hear Bloomberg proposing that. And he doesn't actually have a proposal. He's just crying for his, uh, you know, his police officers saying, we've got to stop this. This is, There's so much violence, so many gunshots. Our men with guns are having to deal with men with guns. Yeah.
Doesn't make any sense. Isn't that what they're there for? Yeah, toll free number here, 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. Some of the men with guns are going to be getting paid more at the federal level. Actually, all federal bureaucrats. You're going to tell us about that, Mark. But we'd rather hear from you about whatever's on your mind. In fact, Frank is on the line in New York. And I'm sure we'll get to him coming up here. And I think he, maybe he was near, there for this. We'll find out. You can bring up anything. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. In the late 21st century, the hardiest, most daring adventurers have begun to colonize the solar system where untold mineral riches await them. Jealous of their wealth and fearful of their freedom, the government of Earth is determined to extend their power to this new frontier by any means necessary. Escape from Terra, an illustrated science fiction saga from Big Head Press. Read it online at escapefromterra.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. If you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features, they're free, so enjoy those, including live streams. We've got a broadband version, dial-up version, webcam, even the Free Talk Live listen lines, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That is listen.freetalklive.com. Com. As we continue here, uh, we'll take your phone calls. But first, I want to tell you about Manchester Brewing. It was founded by an alien race of reptiles called the Slore, who live beneath the Stapleton Airport and secretly control the Illuminati. Find out more at ManchesterBrewing.com. As we continue here and talk to Frank in New York, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Frank. Uh, good evening, and happy Hanukkah to everyone tonight. Hey, yeah, the, it's very disturbing about the shooting in Times Square, not only from the person that you know, had the uh, illegal uh, semi-automatic uh, little uh, machine pistol, but uh, also the fact, some things that have come out in the last day that the two brothers actually had permits. They were able to vend their CDs in Times Square. So in a sense, the one uh, brother that flipped out and shot uh, Helter Skelter, uh, it was very irrational, and what they he should have done was just show him the uh, permit that allowed them to vend on the public street. But what's really sad is the fact that in New York, uh, and it's gone on for quite some time, that it is illegal to own uh, a private uh, handgun or rifle yeah. without a permit, and the permits are very difficult to obtain, but the bankers at Goldman Sachs <laughs> and other institutions are getting permits for guns uh, uh, very quickly now. That right. seems to be the new trend. And well, also it's always been that, that way, from my understanding. If you are somebody who's very, very well-connected and financially well-off, you can, you can manage to finagle uh, you know, permits correct. for your bodyguards and that sort That's of thing. That's true. And with Mayor Mike Bloomberg, I mean, he's one of the wealthiest men in the world. He's a billionaire many times over, and he always has a private security detail of 20 bodyguards, all fully armed and licensed to do that. So he can talk about, uh, hmm. you know, the dangers of handguns without worrying. I think it would be different if he wasn't allowed to have 20 bodyguards armed with the, you know, automatic and semi-automatic weapons, that he may have a different point of view. But uh, that having been said... What is sad about New York is that the city violates the Second Amendment to the Constitution, and the case that was heard about a year ago, or a year and a half ago in Washington, D.C., where it found the District of Columbia to have violated 
the constitutional rights of the individuals by not allowing them to have handguns within the District of Columbia. Uh, what should happen is there should be a case brought in New York uh, that actually challenges the legality of the city of New York to prohibit uh, handguns or rifles uh, in violation of the Second Amendment to the Constitution. That has never happened? No, but it should. That would be the In the history of case. the New York gun ban, in a city of uh, millions of people, no one has ever brought a lawsuit against their uh, their ban. No, but they should do wow. that. And they should do that. That should be Jeez. the first uh, case. Just but in order the... to do that, they have to get busted for possession first, right? Well, actually, that would be the case. Or no, it's a violation of the rights under the Constitution. They could actually bring a case uh, in the New York state courts. Hmm. It's so hard to get uh, you know, standing. Regarding the violation of civil rights, which it does. Uh, you know, the Constitution uh, is the supreme uh, law of the land, according to the Supreme Court. Uh. So, in a sense, uh, I think that's an urgency that the political uh, individuals don't want that to happen up here. So, they're going to do everything in their power not to allow that to happen. Sure. But I wanted to also make the case that, uh, in a sense, uh, we have to be mindful of the fact that there are many innocents that are killed by, uh, you know, unintended gunfire in New York every month. And most recently there was a case of uh, school children in the Bronx returning from school going home where they were shot and killed by stray bullets from, wow. uh, you know, gangst gangster, uh, what do they call them, gangster bangers or whatever, <laughs> sort of the, uh, whatever the, the hip-hop yeah. slang term is. And, you know, that's very tragic. Which also because... would not be happening if there were no prohibitions on drugs or prostitution or gambling or whatever other Correct. guns. As, as long as there up... are prohibitions, there yeah. are products and services for gangsters to traffic in. Right. And if there weren't prohibitions, then those people would have nothing to do business in. And one thing I wanted to say, too, that you have to be mindful, too, over the last 15 years, when many cities in the country, such as Pittsburgh, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York City, Washington, D.C., uh, Boston, many cities have a thing whereby if you turn in uh, handguns or rifles during Christmas, you'll get maybe a $50 gift certificate or something. And that's been going on for a long time. And the FBI discovered that many of the illegal uh, guns that have been resold in Virginia and that materialize in different parts of the country actually come from these programs. There have been police departments in many urban cities whereby the police, instead of destroying the guns, would actually take them down and sell them at tremendous profit to themselves. Of course and, they you know, will. No one has mentioned too much about that because the FBI you know, has investigated it. They have the evidence, but you know, the way the system works, uh, they're not going to, you know... Uh, well, yeah. Why would the FBI want to want to really come down too hard on these other police departments? I mean, That's I, correct. Because it'll make it it'll reveal the corruption, right? Exactly. And this is something we have to be aware of. Uh, many cities in America over the last 15 years have had consent decrees, whereby in Pittsburgh, for example, uh, the, the city was notorious notorious for violating the civil rights of individuals, doing racial profiling, and police misconduct. Uh, as a result, uh, under Clinton's administration, the Justice Department actually took over the police department with a consent decree. And it was for about five or six years before the city of Pittsburgh could actually run their own police department after that. And that's happened in many other cities around the country. And you have to be aware that, in a sense, you know, the police have their own agenda. And, in a sense, 
uh, you know, it's very tragic. Corruption, I think, is even stronger now than it was 30 years ago. And just probably, of, I don't know. How, how, do you have anything oh, to base that, that statement on? Go ahead. I, I was going to say, do you have anything to actually base that statement on? Because today we know more about corruption because the information travels faster. It's more accessible than it was 30 years ago. I think the corruption was probably still there. Of course, you could well, make a statement that there's, a, there's more opportunity to be corrupt yeah. because there's more prohibited these days. There are more laws that, uh, that one could be corrupt about. I suppose you could say that. Correct. But just think back 30 years ago to the oh, real-life police corruption tales, especially in New York, that made it into popular movies, such as Serpico and the uh, French Connection, all sorts of other mm -hmm. uh, events that were actually based upon real events and things. So in a sense, uh, you know, there really hasn't been a change in the culture of policing in this country. In fact, if anything, the recruits are having less and less intelligence. Uh, they're less That's and true. less aware of the civil rights. And now with Patriot Act... Uh, one and two in Homeland Security Act, uh, you have sort of uh, even less and less is, of an awareness of things such as the Miranda. Is is it true, Act, though, that... And, uh, well, okay, that's, that's all true. In fact, we had a police uh, instructor essentially tell us that he quit the business of instructing the police because he's so sickened with the, the poor quality of police recruits these days. Correct. But is that corruption also, as much as it is just willful ignorance? I mean, isn't it corruption when you're actually, when you know that what you're doing is wrong, whereas if you're just a dummy... It's the effect. It's the outcome that determines the corruption. So even if you're doing it, uh, no. let's say, in a non-premeditated fashion, it's still corruption. Well it's said, Frank. Result. Thank you as always. Appreciate it. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks, and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial on in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Head on over to the Facebook profile and become a fan there. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. Again, that's facebook.freetalklive.com. And take the, seven, the startpage.com's seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine. Experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, and unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. Start the seven-day challenge today at startpage.com. At startpage.com. And they make it easy, because all you have to do is go to startpage.com. they got a little th widget there, and it goes right into your little browser. Startpage.com. All right, toll-free number 800-259-9231. Uh, by the way, I was uh, poking around uh, one of the industry emails I got today from... You know, I'm signed up to a, a few different daily email lists to kind of keep in the loop on what's going on in the radio world. They were talking sure, about none how, of them are going to tell us otherwise. They were talking about how uh, one of the other talk show hosts out there, Laura Ingram, this uh, Rush Limbaugh wannabe chick talk show host. She's pretty popular. She she is pretty popular. That's what I, what I wanted to comment on was her popularity here. Uh, they were talking about how she's got a brand new website or whatever, so I figured I'd go and see what it's what's all the talk about. Didn't look too special to me, but one of the things I noticed there was that they have the Laura Ingram fan uh, list over on Facebook. She's got her own little Facebook fan yeah. page thing. She only has about twenty more fans than we do. Really? Yeah. You know, Free Talk Live is going to be the best kept secret for a long time. We just don't have the uh, 
the the it's it's the sales mechanism behind these things. Uh, they 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 have to run a huge business. Um, these shows do, and and they get the uh, they get the rates for it. And you know we don't have the we don't have that marketing arm. We don't have that sales arm. And you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a while. We grow we're growing growing slow. Two thousand nine hundred eighty eight is what she has. We have two thousand nine hundred sixty six. So help push us past. The uh, talk radio uh, Rush Limbaugh wannabe chick at uh, Facebook.freetalklive.com. Now, how many does Rush have? Does he even have a Facebook account? We need to find these things Certainly out. Certainly has to have it. All right. So we can continue here and take your calls about what you want. Scott is in Winnipeg. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Scott. Hello. What's on your um, mind tonight? Recently, I'm calling about unintended, unintended consequences. As we know, when the government does something, the... Things happen that they didn't intend, right? And recently in Winnipeg, there have been these huge drug sweeps of, of, uh, of gangs and health angels and stuff like this. And the police have been trotting out all the drugs they've confiscated and all the guns and blah, 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 da, 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 da. Right? Keeping you hey, safe. Yippee, right? That's right. Our problems are over. Uh, but now what we see in Winnipeg are more shootings in the street and gang wars because the top players are taken out. So now people are fighting the turf war over who's going to control the drug trade. And that's what you get. Yeah. With this stuff, and and yesterday I was in a I was at a, a tobacco shop yesterday, a tobacconist shop, like a high end sort of place. Okay, sure. Uh, with with my friend, and we walked in there, and I thought, you know, if if marijuana was not prohibited, this is where you would go to get your specialties. They had he had like fifty different uh, you know flavors of tobacco on the wall, and these nice things. He's wearing a suit. It's all very upscale. You know, this is where you would go to buy your 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 niche tobacco or uh, marijuana. Instead of a thug on the street, and uh, I wish more people could see that and, and get that. Most people just think, uh, "Oh, drugs are bad," okay, and and they, and they don't go beyond that. But they don't see that the gang wars happen because of the prohibition. And I think this is a good example here in Winnipeg, where these big-time players were taken out, and now there's more shootings in the street because mm. of it. Yep, it's so true, and, and ha- <laughs> it seems so obvious. I don't know why people don't understand it. What what is so hard to understand about that? It's the same thing that happened with alcohol prohibition. It's just the the product is different. That's all. That's all that's different. It's the trust and belief that the government knows what's good for you, and that's the right. problem. Is but that these people? It's, too it's, many people don't think for themselves. You know? It's funny they don't really believe that. Most people will say that they that you know you know oh politicians lying when his lips are moving. But these yeah. are the same people that they trust to run their government. It just I know, it's, it's, it's absolutely bizarre. I don't understand how it happens in their mind when it's sort of the, the joke where you have ten government workers standing around and only one is working, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and but yet when it really comes down to doing something about it or really talking seriously about it, even though they have that in their mind, they're not willing to really make the leap that well maybe you should get rid of this inefficient organization that's trying to control everybody's life. You know, yeah. that's a huge leap. That you know, I, I'm not sure how to get people there. I got there. You guys got there. It takes time. It, it just takes it does, time. Yeah. It takes uh, patience, consistency, and honing your uh, honing your message. That's... And the evidence grows. The evidence for uh, how much government sucks, you know, it grows. And like it's with, true. With, the with the longer government example. exists, the more evidence they provide to us. I mean, the, the great recent example that we talked about this week was how the TSA uh, <laughs> has apparently released their entire security manual accidentally. So I mean, these people can't even secure their own documents. You think they can secure airplanes? I mean, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Thanks for the call tonight, Scott. Appreciate hearing from you. Hey, since he brought up the, uh, the, pro- the prohibition issue, let's continue with that uh, line of thought here. And another a factor about prohibition that needs to ma- be made clear to people. 
And that is that prohibition, not only does it increase violence, not only does it increase uh, criminal acts in that people uh, will rob and, and pillage and break in and do horrible things in order to get things to sell, to pawn, to get cash, to buy drugs with, for instance. But also, prohibition hurts people in that the drugs themselves become more dangerous. The drugs become more likely to be impure or improperly uh, manufactured because they're being manufactured in questionable conditions in, in back-home laboratories and things like that. Little Rock, Arkansas, according to the AP, nearly a third of all cocaine seized in the United States is laced with a dangerous veterinary medicine, a livestock deworming drug that might enhance cocaine's effects, but has been blamed in at least three deaths and a scores of serious illnesses. The medication called Levamisole has... I, before you go on, I'd like to point out that more people die from prescription drugs. I mean, this mm. is three deaths, okay? Um, and uh, just uh, if you had any concept as to how many people die from the prescription drugs that they take in the manner that they are prescribed to take them... It's true. You Hundreds of... A hundred, over 100,000 a year, right? It, right. It, it's, it's, it's a number just like... It's, it's big. I don't know how many it is precisely, but I think 100,000 sounds right. I, I know it's more than that. I, I believe it is more than 100,000 a year. And, um, the, and they're worried about three people... Here, but, but it's a good is, example. But people are getting sick, too, beyond yes. – uh, it's, it's nasty, right? And this is what, what's happening is these dealers are cutting their cocaine with this drug, Levamisol. Uh, it's killed at least three people and sickened more than 100 others. Now, remember, those are only the ones that went to the hospital and reported that they were, uh, that they were sickened by uh, taking cocaine. How many of them just got sick and eh, sweated it out and stayed home, right? You don't know. It can be used in humans to treat colorectal cancer, but it severely weakens the body's immune system, leaving patients vulnerable to fatal infections. And most of them don't know they're getting this in their cocaine. They think they're just taking coke, and they don't know what it's being cut with. Scientific studies suggest levamisol might give cocaine a more intense high, possibly by increasing levels of dopamine, the brain's feel-good neurotransmitters. DEA documents reviewed by the AP indicate that 30% of all U.S. cocaine seizures are tainted with the drug, and health officials told the AP that most physicians know virtually nothing about its risks. I think it'd be fair to say the vast majority of doctors in the United States have no idea this is going on, said the assistant director of the Rocky Mountain Poison and Drug Center in Denver, where as much as half of the cocaine is believed to contain levamisol. You can't diagnose a disease you've never heard of. Authorities believe cocaine manufacturers are adding levamisol down in Colombia before the cocaine is even smuggled into the United States and Canada to be sold as white powder or crack. Economic pressures may also play a role. Decreased supply in the U.S. has raised cocaine prices and lowered street-level purity. Cocaine traffickers may believe levamisol adds an extra boost to an otherwise weakened product. Levamisol started showing up frequently in cocaine from Colombia back in January of 2008, and by late last year, the DEA concluded that the spiked cocaine was in wide circulation. At the same time, hospitals around the country began noticing more cocaine users coming in with a granulous, oh, a granulocytosis, an illness that suppresses white blood cells necessary to fight off infections. Spoke, so it's bad enough that uh, you know the cokeheads are staying up all night snorting cocaine. Yeah, they can't uh, be in real good shape. That's going to weaken your immune system right there. And they're actually snorting coke that has been cut with a product that actually weakens your immune system. So this is, again, another example of how it is that prohibition puts people in greater danger than they were ever in before prohibition happened. 
agreed. I mean, they're going to do what they're, you know, these people are going to do the drugs that they're going to do. I, if, if any of them are listening, I would recommend, hey, you know, lay off the coke, but, you know, they're not going to listen. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. You dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Julia joining us for the remainder of the program here tonight. And you just joined us, Julia, as we were discussing One of the consequences of prohibition, as we have uh, so many times in the past, but as Scott pointed out uh, from Winnipeg earlier, some people just don't get this stuff. And so it behooves us to come back to it from time to time and and revisit this issue. Of course, it's talk radio. That's what we do, right? (laughs) There are only so many issues out there. We're going to come back to them again and again. And this is one of the best ones because it really just shows how destructive the government can really be. That... In their intentions, they want to, you know, help people, supposedly, right? They want to stop people from using these dangerous, dangerous drugs. And that's, you know, that is probably good intentions on their part. They believe they know what uh, people's lives should be like, and they want to, uh, you know, sculpt them in a certain way. I I don't necessarily agree with those intentions. I I personally find that uh, not so good. But they probably believe they're doing good, don't you think, the government people? Uh... I'd say some of them believe they're doing good, and some of them probably know the evil they are they are doing. I I think that um, they I think that they like the of course I mean you know even drug users will tell you that a world without drugs is probably a better thing um, that that you know we shouldn't make drugs legal. Many some drug, drug users will say that I would I'd not agree say with that them. most of them would at least that's from my experience. I don't know. I mean, thank goodness for drugs. <laughs> I appreciate them. But drugs make our lives better in in so many ways, um, and some of them are recreate. Some of them some people use for recreational purposes, and I certainly have in my my past and, and I would choose to use some now and it's not others but um you know these uh the 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 idea that the bureaucrats you know I think they they get to the point where it's like the ends justify the means you know if you've got to take a uh 30 130 pound uh, marijuana smoker and throw him against the wall and hurt him and all that other stuff in order to get drugs off the street it's worth it right the utopian society this vision that uh, they could somehow actually successfully get drugs off the streets is just ludicrous because it's it suggests that uh, that people would would stop demanding to alter their consciousness and animals alter their consciousness. Deer will go and and nibble on uh, buds off a marijuana plant. Animals will eat uh, fermented fruit and they will get in uh, you know they'll become drunk from uh, from that. So it's a completely natural process, the process of wanting to alter one, one's own consciousness. So to believe that, that uh, through the law or through the enforcement thereof, that they could somehow put a stop to that ever is just completely delusional on their part. Not to mention that they themselves, at least I'd say the majority of them, enjoy altering their consciousness in the legal form of alcohol, which in my opinion is one of the 
um, hardest drugs out there. Yeah, I mean, if you've ever seen somebody who's been wasted drunk, uh, crapping their pants, puking everywhere, <laughs> having to been taken to the hospital... It absolutely is uh, an abs- uh, a very hard drug. So, so it's important to talk about the issue of prohibition and the consequences of prohibition because, well, even though even though people in this day and age learn about alcohol prohibition, maybe it's you know a page in their history textbook when they're in uh, in their when they're in high school. It's certainly not anything that they focus a significant amount of time on. I don't recall doing that. Do either of you recall in high school spending any significant amount of time learning about pro- alcohol prohibition? No. Do you ever have to do a report on it? I don't think a report. I mean, we certainly no. we we talked about it. Yeah, I don't I don't recall much at all beyond just the you know learning the very basics. But so it's important to talk about how it's it's all happening over again. And let's go to Dave in Montana to get his thoughts on this. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live with the Julia and Mark. Hey, how you guys? Super. Uh, I think the drugs are illegal so that they could get the most money off of them. That's why they're illegal. It's not because they want to save us from getting high or hurting ourselves. It's because there's corrupt people in power that know if you, whatever you make against the law, they could get the top dollar for it, and whoever has the big monopoly on it is the big boss. Yeah, well, okay, I guess you're That's right. The not necessarily directly in drugs the... are getting... But it's not necessarily that you know politicians are are dealing drugs directly, but they may no, be benefiting. They, they by... got their hands sticking out the out of their back with their hand wide open, and their money's being dropped in it. Sure, whether and, it's and, from and the... they the government loves it because it finances all their covert wars and all their covert right. actions. It, it's it's a great black market money market. The politicians uh, get d- big contributions from cigarette dealers and alcohol uh, distributors because, well, if prohibition continues against recreational drugs, then cigarettes and alcohol and the other uh, legal drugs will continue to have a, the lion's share of the marketplace as far as the legal market is concerned. So certainly there's a lot of money being moved around. And what drug dealer, what uh, street dealer is going to be in favor of ending prohibition? There aren't very many of them because, well, then all their profits will be uh, sliced away. And then the other aspect is that they give so much tax dollars out amongst the corruptibles. You know, all these corrupted people, they get the tax dollars. So they, they send the tax drug war money all around, but they're stuffing half of it in their pockets. They're paying off... They're little uh, squealers and everything, you know. It's just a whole bunch of corruptness. That's And marijuana is illegal only because it will feed you, clothe you, house you, and make fuel for you. And that's why it's illegal. They don't want us to have it because it can make us independent and uh, strong. Yeah, yeah, and it might even, you know, keep you healthy as well if you're... Well, a, it's the most nutritious food known to mankind. It's got omega-3s in it or something, right? Omega-something or other. The sixes, the three, all your your omegas. It's got, it's I know Wayne was in here one night protein. eating hemp seeds or something like that. Just, yeah, they supposedly the have more protein, protein than uh, soy and stuff like that that has yeah, a lot of protein. Soy is genic, uh, you know, GMOs, all GMO. They didn't uh, GMO hemp. You don't need fertilizer. You don't yep. need pesticides. It's not going to be yeah, you easy. don't need fertilizer for weed. That's for sure. Because <laughs> it's a weed. It just Dave, grows. Thank you so much, as always, for the call. appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. By the way, Dave's been hanging out in the Free Talk Live chat room. don't know if he's there tonight, but you can always go to chat.freetalklive.com and look for him there. 
Yeah, I think that uh, one thing that Dave, um, in you know, in explaining why marijuana is still legal, it's probably illegal. Illegal, excuse me, illegal. It probably bears uh, mentioning that it's the easiest drug to find, and the you know the the people that make drugs illegal uh, that that enforce these things. They know that, and they know that you know a lot of their budget comes from finding marijuana. If if they're having a difficult time finding drugs, um, then well, you know they're they're not going to get as much uh, of a budget. You That's know, not but, true. That's not true because they'll still get a budget if they can't find drugs. Remember, when government fails, it gets more money. When government succeeds at if it if when and it Maybe rarely right. succeeds, it rarely succeeds. No, it's true. When government fails. They get more money because, well, we just uh, we need more troops, we need more uh, enforcers, we need more raids, we need more money. Uh, clearly, we are not funded well enough to get this drug prohibition thing going. We have to keep the drugs off the streets, and we need more funding to do that. Or if they're doing, uh, they're actually interdicting and they're and they're they're stealing people's drugs from them. They're you know whatever that like Scott was talking earlier bragging about all the drugs that they're stealing then that's justification for greater funding as well well look how look how good we're doing we need more funding now so we can do even better e- any any way you cut it they will argue for more money and they'll get it because who doesn't want to stop illegal drugs right well i don't because i understand it can't be stopped and i understand that in order to help keep people safe if that's what these people really want if that's what these people really want, and I think Dave's right, I think most of them just want to profit from the uh, the illegality of drugs through some way or another. Uh, but if they really want to keep people safe, then they should decriminalize all illegal drugs completely. I, I feel like there's a lot of people out there who have been so brainwashed and, and poisoned that they really don't care. I mean, even average citizens that, like, to them... The safety aspect means nothing to them. And, and when you're, I heard this story when I walked in, it's about uh, there being other substances in cocaine before it even yeah. makes it to the U.S. And that's actually doing damage to people. I think a lot of people would say to that, well, you shouldn't be doing that. So, ha ha. Got what you deserve, druggie. Yep. So uh, it is something that is important to talk about, and people are getting sick. And when you do read about the different stories, whether it's this coke that's being cut with uh, labamisol, or whether it's you know kids dying at a at a, a rave party because they not because of the drugs necessarily, but because they they've overheated. But in many cases, when you hear about people di- uh, dying as a result of illicit drug use, it has to do with the fact that those drugs are prohibited. People that are taking heroin that a dose is too strong, they thought it was not as strong as it as it was because, well, the, the last dose was okay. This dose happened to be ten times stronger. The dealer didn't know. They didn't know until they shot it up. They ended up dying as a result of that. This stuff happens, but it wouldn't happen as often if all of these products were legal. Anyway, more coming up here. Hour number three is on the way. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. 
filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart, 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll free at 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line 1 800 259 9231. Tonight it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And we'll kick off this hour by getting to a story out of the federal level, Mark. You've got a some details on just how sweet, sweet, sweet it can be to work for the federal government. From the USA, from USAToday.com, the number of federal workers earning six-figure salaries has exploded during the recession, according to a USA Today analysis of federal salary data. Federal employees making salaries of $100,000 or more jumped from 14% to 19% of civil servants during the recession's first 18 months and that's before overtime pay and bonuses are counted. And if I don't know what uh, you know, federal bonuses and, and overtime pay is like, but I know when it comes to cops on a local state and um, local state and county level, it's huge. Um, so you know, maybe it's a lot, maybe it's a little, maybe it depends. Federal workers are enjoying an extraordinary boom time in pay and hiring during a recession that has cost 7.3 million jobs in the private sector. Um, the highest paid federal employees are doing best of all on salary increases. Defense Department civilian employees earning 150000 or more increased from 1800 um, in December to uh, 2007, in, in December 2007 to 10000 in June 2009. Run, so okay, it's like that. a jump of 400%, maybe more. Making more than how much? Excuse me, it's more like 600%. Making more than how much? 150000 Went up from 1,800 people to over... 1,868 people in December 2007. So um, then another 18 months later, in June 2009, it was 10,100. Wow. It's an incredible jump. That's huge. Yeah. $150,000? I mean, that's a pretty big salary for uh, most people. What, the average American making, what, twenty? Something think, like that, twenty five. I think it would be, I don't know, thirty five. But thirty five. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't know, but it's not a lot in comparison. When the recession started, the transportation department had only one person earning a salary of one hundred and seventy thousand dollars or more. Eighteen months later, six almost seventeen hundred employees had salaries above one hundred and seventy thousand. Wow. Gosh, and that's just that's the tra- a lot of money. Yeah. Transportation just department. Just the transportation department. Yeah. A trend to six-figure salaries is occurring throughout the federal government agencies, big and small, high-tech, low-tech. The primary cause, substantial pay raises and new salary rules. There's no way yeah, to they ju- take care of their own, huh? And there's that's yeah, I am. I've got the wrong job. Right. I mean, uh, who, who's getting increases of? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I understand some places you get increases in cost of living as far as uh, inflation and all that, but that's in that's, the private sector sometimes. Sometimes, but, right, but that's been stopped in most uh, private sector I'm businesses sure during the recession. Our raise rate is like two percent or something really minor like yeah, that. Yeah, that's right bo- now. that's less than the rate of inflation. 
Yeah, it, far it, less. Absolutely, that's is. that's less than the the stated rate of inflation. And these guys sound like they're way above the the rate of inflation. And what do you expect? These are the people that are making the money. These are the people that are uh, running the government. They get paid because uh, you have to pay them, or you go to jail. I mean, why, <laughs> that's a pretty good uh, business model. I don't understand why uh, we haven't employed it here on Free Talk Live. Why is it that we don't force businesses to advertise on Free Talk Live? Otherwise, the guy in charge goes to jail. Well, because we're just not like that. Because it, it would require a big band of goons with guns to enforce it. It's because we honor our neighbor's choices, and we would never consider forcing our way upon others. We offer our product and service on a voluntary basis to others who are interested in consenting to purchasing Free Talk Live's advertising. But these people don't, don't, uh, don't play that game. There's no way to justify this to the American people. It's ridiculous, says Representative Who Cares from... Utah. Yeah, after he voted for his pay raise, right? Yeah. A first-term lawmaker who's in the House's Federal Workforce Subcommittee. Jessica Clement, a government affairs director for the Federal Managers Association, says the federal workforce is highly paid because the government employs skilled people such as scientists, <laughs> physicians, and lawyers. She says federal employees make 27, 26% less than, federal wor- than pr- private workers for comparable jobs. Oh, is that right? Yeah. USA Today analyzed the uh, Office of uh, Personnel Management's database that tracks salaries. How many how many private jobs are sit around and do nothing? Because that's what a lot of government jobs effectively are. Who can dispute what this one says? I mean, I want to see the data. You know. Yeah. Let's see. USA Today, USA Today analyzed the Office of Personnel Management's database that tracks salaries of more than two million federal workers, excluded the OPM's data, um, the White House, Congress, uh, the Postal Service from the OPM's data, White House, Congress, Postal Service, intelligence agencies, and uniformed personnel. The growth in six-figure salaries has pushed the average federal worker's pay to, average. excuse me, seventy-one thousand uh, average. Uh, yeah, compared with forty thousand in the private sector. That is just shocking. That's so, almost double. Yeah, she's she, they're they're very again, plus the perks. Wait, 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 plus the perks, right? Because we're just talking about the cash that they get in their paycheck, right? At seventy-one thousand dollars, that's their that's what uh, the, the, they're getting paid. But that doesn't include the medical coverage. You know, the the federal government's medical coverage and the, probably the dental, probably everything. I think that the federal government probably has the best perks ever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, governments are known for being sweet, sweet, cushy jobs, and then we're not even talking about the pensions here. So these people are getting $71,000 on average all the way up until they retire, and you only need to work, what, 20 years for the state until you can retire? It's probably 30. I've heard 20, maybe it's only 20 if you're a cop, but anyway, I know there are some government roles in which you can retire after 20 years, so you work 20 or 30 years for $71,000, plus you keep getting the sweet pay raises over the over time. By the time that's all over and done with, there's a, some sort of formula that basically gives you a, a, a decent percentage of that every single year thereafter, right? It's not the full amount, is it, <laughs> when, you, when you get your pension from the state? They don't give you the full amount, do they? I, I don't know anything about the state pensions from the state, man. I, I, well, whatever it is, it's sweet. Right. Whatever these people are getting, it's a heck of a lot more than the average American's getting. And um, some of the key reasons are pay hikes, uh, then President Bush recommended and Congress approved across the board raises of uh, 3% in January 08 and 3.9% in January 09. Pres- wow. President Obama has recommended 2% pays, pay raises in January 10, 2010. Boy, sm- what a conservative. Yeah, that's the smallest since... 1975, the smallest since 1975. Most federal workers also get longevity pay hikes called STEPS that average 1.5 per year. 
Jeez. new pay system. Congress created a new national security personnel system for the Defense Department to reward merit. In addition to the across-the-board increases, the merit raises, which started in January 2008, were larger than expected and rewarded high-ranking employees because they were the ones that deserved it most, right? I mean, obviously, somebody's rating this merit, and the higher you go up on the ladder, the more likely these people are to uh, to rate themselves well. Mm-hmm. Well, not themselves, but the, each other well, I guess. Is yeah, well, of course. It's, it's They all scratch each other's backs. I mean, that's what happens at the legislative level where the Republicans help the Democrats and the Democrats help the Republicans and they all vote for each other's stuff for the most part. You overall. remember um, at the caller last night, Alex, who called in and said um, that, you know, they were they were in college and the lab said that they, they would grade each other's work. And, he's, and right. he, you know, stepped up in front of the class and says, hey, let's everybody give each other 100 percent. And they did. <laughs> I mean, that's how it works, people. Yeah. It's that simple. Right. Pay caps uh, eased. Many top civilian uh, civil servants are prohibited from making more than the agency's leader. But if Congress lifts the boss's salary, others get raises, too. Mm-hmm. When the uh, Federal Aviation Administration's chief's salary rose, uh, nearly 1,700 employees had their salaries lifted above 17, or excuse me, 170,000, too. So, wow. there you go. There you go, indeed. So, when you're out there struggling... Lost your job and all that other yeah. stuff. The federal government's employees are getting raise after raise after raise. And that's going to be an attractive point that they make when they're recruiting people. I mean, you sure. were talking about the Facebook ads that you've seen where they're recruiting people into being on SWAT teams and stuff like that. They're also just recruiting in general. We yes. shared a story with you where they need something like 600,000. Uh, they claim they need something like 600,000 federal employees over the next however many years because there's a bunch of baby boomers, effectively, that are getting ready to retire that work for the federal government and so they need to bring young people in there i mean that's that's a that's a sexy selling point hey you can come do next to nothing and make seventy thousand dollars a year especially in a time when people are noticing that it's a lot more difficult to get a job absolutely 800-259-9231 that's and this is how the beast eats itself that's the sacral cai toll free line it can't eat itself fast enough though let me tell you more coming up you can take control of the airwaves bring up whatever's on your mind Your calls are next. It's Free Talk Live. Give me liberty or give me death. Patrick Henry uttered those words in 1775. He died just 24 years later. You can avoid his fate by subscribing to Liberty, the National Journal of Libertarian Opinion, News, Investigation, and Intellectual Exploration. Liberty isn't just current events. In every issue, you can expect to see reflections, reviews, and reporting that challenge the individual mind. Get Liberty now with a free trial issue at libertyunbound.com and avoid an untimely meeting with the Grim Reaper. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Features including the chat room. Head over to chat.freetalklive.com. Best time is during the show. You'll find uh, various different listeners there you can interact with at chat.freetalklive.com. Now, are you frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live? Are you tired of the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life? Well, if you knew that thousands of liberty-oriented people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you join them? You can. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. To your calls, we go. 
It's Bill in Kentucky. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Bill. Good evening, all. Hey, Bill. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, actually, I want to respond to something that you said on last night's show. Uh, you were talking about uh, doing radio broadcast, and you said that it was easy. And uh, you know, you said it's not like a job, you know, a job where you do hard work, like laying brick or something like that. And I actually, while I have to uh, give props to your, you know, your humble uh, perce- uh, perspective of that, uh, I have to disagree because, uh, to me, doing any kind of media broadcast would be the most tedious and most arduous task. Uh, and you know, and that's that's really uh, in a lot of ways that's where the money is. You know, mass media of any kind. There's not much money in radio. Let me there. tell you, that maybe those TV people are getting paid really well, but uh... well, I mean, once you know, once you've gotten to that to that point, certainly, and, and built that kind of uh, following. But I mean, it's just uh, to me, it's so tedious. You know, the time limits. The okay, I've got this hard break. I've got uh, so many calls I got to get in and. Just the tediousness of, tediousness of sitting there in front of a screen and and you know and, and punching things in on the computer is just well so certainly I mean in the the world we live in with the division of labor the, you can be and do pretty much anything that you want to be and do and uh, inevitably some people are going to not be interested in in work like this and thank goodness because it means it's a uh, you know there's oh, less yeah. competition yeah. for me my back's bag I, I can't throw a concrete block you know yeah uh, but so, you know some people would find this work tedious I absolutely agree with you some people would find oh, laying yeah. bricks to I, be uh, tedious and I, I would. Be be one of those people. I'd be I'd be the guy happier, and I've got the bad back too. But I would much rather be laying the brick or just doing something outside than, than sitting and going, okay, I've Absolutely. got to manage every thirty seconds. But yeah, some people way, some people love being outside and doing that physical uh, physical labor stuff. I uh, could, I'm sure, do some of it. I'm not really built for uh, for that, but I'm sure I'd get more built if I did more physical labor. Uh, there is that factor. And my, and my last point on that is, I, I just have to say. Uh, you uh, and Mark both. Uh, I let a guy listen to the uh, over the phone, listen to one of your broadcasts, and you know he immediately said that that guy's doing what he should be doing. You're a, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you're a born radio host, and Mark is a born salesman. Uh, people are <laughs> well, you I know, think it's, sometimes it's... geared for certain things. Yeah, it's funny that you say it's funny that you say that because when I first started in radio, I was sixteen. Uh, I guess no, I was seventeen. I was seventeen when I first got my uh, my in- internship down in Sarasota, Florida, and I remember at the time I was working at the the Big K, Big Kmart down there, and one of my coworkers, who's just you know was a nice, sweet, sweet old uh, older lady, uh, told me that she didn't think that I uh, that I was she she didn't think I had the voice for radio, and uh, so. <laughs> Back then, if I had listened to what she had said, then I would have, oh, maybe I shouldn't be in radio. But I didn't, of course, listen to uh, to what she said, and I didn't listen to the government bureaucrat at the school that I was going to who tried to talk me out of becoming an intern at a radio station because it's, well, it's it just involves menial labor, and, uh, you know, that's not a very good interning uh, opportunity. So if I'd listened to any of those people, I uh, I wouldn't be in radio today. But my point being, you're saying, oh, well, you, you're, you're born for radio. They would have tried to keep me out. So it just all depends, I guess, on, on your perspective. I mean, you hear me on the radio, so inevitably it might sound like I was supposed to be on the radio or something like that. Does that make sense? Good boy. 
I don't know if I'm making sense. Well, just keep up the good work, guys. Thanks, Thanks Bill. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Though I do stand behind uh, my assertion that the radio business in general, maybe not necessarily the task of of uh, being on the air, that can be fairly high stress, I think, for uh, for people. I mean, it, it takes practice. It certainly takes uh, it takes practice. First time I was on the air on Oldies 108 in Sarasota, Florida, I thought I was going to pass out. I mean, just the, right? <laughs> the rush of blood to my head and stuff. It was, well, it was now you would just have been in there as like a uh, a sidekick or something, right? right. Just, Even, just a sales guy coming in to talk about something, right? right? Just to talk about something. I had set up a a deal where um, we were sending like this ministry group was going to Haiti to deliver some school supplies for the the radio station. I was going to go along. They asked me if I wanted to go along. I said, "Sure. I've never been to Haiti. I got my passport. Let's rock and roll." Um, and so they they sort of asked me about you know going, and then when I came back, they asked me about coming back, and you know. That, that was the experience. But when you think about it, that radio station, I mentioned that uh, the, the, the last station we worked at was run by a drunk. The general manager of the station yes. was, would, would, would literally walk out of the radio station at high noon when the bar opened, <laughs> uh, go two, two doors down on Main Street in Sarasota, Florida, go to the Gator Club for uh, several hours, come back at four in the afternoon, three sheets to the wind. There was that guy, but since you mentioned Oldies 108, the former program director of that radio station, and I ended up working with him at that other station that we worked at as well, that guy's a total loser. He ended up, uh, he ended up, nice enough, again, nice guy, uh, I liked him personally, but he ended up, like, smoking crack and uh, still holding down his job, and at the same time, he got into some, because of the crack smoking, got into some nasty uh, dealings with a, with his wife, and things started to go bad in his life. But my point is, he was never really uh, a big winner. He was known for coming in chronically late and ha- and having issues, big, big-time issues. But this guy was a program director at a radio station. Uh, you know, he... he... Had a, had a level of talent, I must say. There's no doubt about it. No, no doubt about it. I mean, but but my point was that he he's ve- definitely was very very flawed in a way that in in uh, any other job in any other profession <laughs> right. would have gotten him booted the hell out the door. So uh, yeah, there there radio. there is a certain amount of uh, forgiveness in in the radio industry, but once you cross the line, it's kind of over for you. So and you never know the line moves. Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. Julia, you're the newest at uh, doing the radio thing here, and you're certainly not a, a paid uh, radio personality, and you've never had experience before doing Free Talk Live. Is it is it hard to do radio? Um, Well, it's not really hard, and it's certainly gotten easier. But, I, I mean, I, there are times when I, it's like there's just certain subjects or whatever that I just don't feel like commenting on, and I... I, I feel a little pressure to try to come up with something to say, and, and that can be stressful. I can understand that. It, it is, like I say, something that uh, that definitely takes practice. But then again, so does anything that you know, involves some level of skill. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't particularly think radio involves that much skill. I really don't. I think there are some people that are immensely talented, and they absolutely have something that no one else does, like you know Phil Hendry, for instance. I think that... He's incredibly talented uh, talk show host. And yeah, but the Arbitron numbers didn't vary out. Is that right? Well, he, he well was just a... because I think somebody has talent doesn't mean that they'll necessarily be successful, I think right? I have to agree that Phil Hendry is extraordinarily talented. I, I think that Glenn Beck is extraordinarily talented, too, but, yeah. you know, doesn't mean I agree with their politics. All right, there's more coming up here, including an email from someone who starts their email saying, Dear Nutcases, we'll uh, finish got that the up. the right guys. Yeah, we'll finish that up here in a few moments. And you can bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. 
Help Free Talk Live via the AMP program for just $3 per month, and you'll get access to exclusive call-in lines, a chat room, and a forum at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. This is SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features including the bulletin board system. You can get interactive with over 500,000 posts, thousands of people interacting there over at bbs.freetalklive.com. And it's totally free, bbs.freetalklive.com. The 12-year process of public education has a dramatic effect on the mind of a child. When we enter school... Many of us, many of our best personal attributes are already in place. We're curious, innovative, unique, creative, and hopeful in ways that many of us are rarely able to replicate throughout the rest of our lives. But over time, school sucks those natural gifts out of too many people and replaces them with predictability, obedience, and apathy. Oh, and it's funded by theft. School Sucks Sucks podcast is a show about the end of public education. Visit schoolsucksproject.com to learn more. SchoolSucksProject.com. You know what? I've actually uh, been meaning to listen to the School Sucks podcast because I've heard nothing but raves about it. I've heard just great things. In fact, uh, he's the guy that does that. Brett, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has appeared on the Complete Liberty podcast as a co-host a number of times. So I've, I've actually heard him, uh, and he's very intelligent, uh, very, very uh, – sounded good to me. So I, I imagine he does his own show very well. Uh, of course, the Complete Liberty podcast is also a good one. We've got that one on at Liberty Radio Network, uh, dot com, and I'm, I'm probably going to add the School Sucks one as soon as I get a chance to actually sample it and, and plug it in and do all that. Uh, Jason Osborne thinks it's great. Very good. That's a good endorsement right there. Jason Osborne from SACL CAI. So let's jump into the email box here, and then we'll tell you about a, a tattooed murderer if we get a chance and what's happening to him in the courtroom. But first, we go to Eric, who starts out his email by writing, Dear Nutcases, I emailed you before, and you got great laughs from my emails, but I've been <laughs> listening to you and have found the ultimate flaw in your anarchist argument. Wait a minute. I'm not an anarchist. Nor, nor am I. He says, you call it volunteerism. Well, I call it voluntarism, and I don't call it... That might have been the spell checker. Could be. Anyway, but we all know... I don't necessarily call myself a voluntarist either. He says, we all know that it's anarchism. You claim that you believe in something called the non-aggression principle. You believe in that, don't you, Mark? I do believe in the non-aggression principle, sure. Uh, which, it's, um, well, you know, let's rattle it off real quick. I don't believe in using uh, force in order to uh, to gain anything for myself, be it political or uh, you know monetary or whatever. I don't think it's right to force people to do things um, that if they haven't forced if they haven't used force on someone else. Julia, are you in agreement with the uh, non-aggression principle? Yes. In fact, I would go further than the non-aggression principle to say that uh, because the non-aggression principle kind of suggests that once force is used upon you, you can just go crazy and it's you know, justifiable yeah, to and, use it back and shoot back. Uh, it doesn't really talk about uh, you know responding to a, a concomitant level of uh, of force. You know, as, as far as if there's a little girl stepping on your flowers out in front of your house, you don't have the right to blow her head off. Uh, you have the right to stop her from stepping on your flowers. You know, maybe maybe by uh, moving her off of your flowers or something like that, or having somebody. Uh, handle that situation, but you certainly don't have the right to use excessive force. Plus, uh, the non-aggression principle doesn't really talk about how to deal with the government's force, because you could, you can use the excuse that, well, the government's using force against me, so therefore I can use force back against them and take out the government agents. 
which a lot of uh, liberty-minded people fantasize about. And I think that's very destructive because it leads to more violent fantasies and that leads to possibly actually using violence against the state, which won't actually do anything to achieve liberty. It will just crush you. They will crush you under their boot and you will not ever see liberty in your lifetime if you use that. And the non-aggression principle doesn't really address that at all. So anyway, just as an aside. So he says... uh, You claim that you believe in something called the non-aggression principle, which says you won't aggress against anyone, but your anarchist fantasy is aggression against people. Here is why. I want government to do some things. I want this in my life, and I am not alone. That's certainly true. And if you get rid of government, you are aggressing against me and anyone who wants government. Well, what's this gentleman's name? Eric. Eric. If I want um, a Porsche and I want the government to give it to me, then they have to get the money from somewhere. And if they take it from you, that's fine with me. And if you don't want to give it to me, it's force, and you're stealing from me, and stealing from the government. I mean, what kind of nonsense statement is that, Eric? Well, I can understand it from the perspective that if you're changing his society, his little government redistribution world where government does whatever the hell he wants government to do, uh, then you are in, in in some way, if you use the political system, for instance, and this is one of the reasons why Dale is very against using the political system, because he doesn't want to force his viewpoint of voluntarism against anybody that doesn't want that. And I can understand that. I can understand that. So that's why I say that anybody that wants someone to tell them what to do should absolutely be free to have that happen in their lives. In in my fantasy land, and I would never call myself an anarchist either, but in, in my fantasy land, I guess if I could have it any way I wanted, I, I like the idea of there being just communities that have different rules that they set for themselves. So, Eric, you can live in the place where you get the government you want, but because you want government, why should I have to have it as well? Why can't I live in Keene, New Hampshire? Because where... Porsche ownership is a natural human right. So I think that's something that people confuse often when they think of like anarchism. They automatically assume that I want this for everyone, and that's just not the case. I just want to be free. Right. I don't care what you do. I want freedom for everyone who wants it. Don't be confused, Eric. If you want to be tyrannized, then you can have all of that. There's always right. going to be somebody out there that wants to tell you what to do. If you look in, uh, say, American history, where there was a higher level of freedom in the past, there were, uh, there, there have been, and there still are, you know, all kinds of examples of people, communities growing up in, in certain uh, fashion. I just recently watched a documentary on the Shakers. These are, uh, they're called the Shaking Quakers, and they took their, their level of community that the Quakers had and took it one step further they uh, took a vow of vow of celibacy and lived in giant communal buildings and make furniture and and, and all kinds of things everything yeah. they did they did for the glory of god and probably because they were just hard up as hell um but they they um <laughs> you know they did they did their little thing there and they lived in a, a commun- the some of the, the the best example of working communism that the world has ever seen they had communist societies that they they voluntarily set up, and they're still been so successful that their their investment in their communities still supports the few people that call themselves Quaker Quakers at the, or, excuse me Shakers at this point. So not successful enough to actually still be going in some. Well, they don't breed, form. man. Oh yeah, there's that. <laughs> They shook themselves right out of existence. Anyway, so now he's going to tell us a little bit more about what he wants. If I want, he says, to live in a drug-free society, and so do many others, and you succeed in eliminating government... Really? You want to live in a drug-free society? How's that going? 
<laughs> and you succeed in eliminating government, then you are aggressing against everyone who wants a government that fights drug pushers and drug users. Oh, I see. Now the government has to fight drug pushers and drug users. Wait a minute. Which drug pushers and drug users are you talking about? Are you talking about Merck? Are you talking about... No, no, no. You potheads. Oh, I see. It's the people that sell... Crack smokers. Dried out plants. That's right. He says, if I want to live in a society that's free from terrorism, and so do many others, you and you succeed in eliminating government, then you are aggressing against everyone who wants a government that fights terrorism at home and abroad. He keeps on using this, the, the, these dichotomous terms. I want a world that's free of terrorism, too. I'm just of the opinion that the government creates it. I'm of the opinion that the government are terrorists. Because the definition of terrorism is violence for the you know, purpose of politics, essentially, the purpose of uh, seeing your political beliefs enacted. And uh, that's what government does. Anyway, he says, I, if I want to live in a society, well, you get the point. And I have proven that your volunteerism, that's anarchism, <laughs> is aggression. And by the way, every time he writes aggression, it's in all caps. Just like the anarchist that killed that one president a long time ago. You that's remember really that great. one president? William McKinley. <laughs> William McKinley. Now I have... But you see, this is the thing is, uh, but for one thing, now he's, he's deciding to uh, call him, uh, that, that guy, an anarchist. I mean, you didn't claim to be an anarchist. No. And he's claiming that you are. Well, can't I claim that he is? I mean, really, what's the difference between what we have today and um, a nation, an anarchist nation where a giant gang is in control and you get to vote on who's in charge of the gang? That's what it is. It is a giant gang. It's a gang with a wonderful PR campaign. A gang that actually runs indoctrination centers to brainwash people into believing that they're not a gang. <laughs> and they've done a great job. 800-259-9231. But Eric is not done with his email. We will uh, finish it up here in moments and take your calls if you make them about whatever you want at 800-259-9231. He gets religious with us here in a moment. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but enough time for your call if you make it right now. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Just a bunch of nutcases here with you tonight. Ian in the uh, studio. And Julia. And Mark. And you can visit our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. We give them away. And so uh, enjoy them on us. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, one of the things you can do is become an amplifier. For as little as three bucks a month, we'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, getting on more talk radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board with the program, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. We hit 60 affiliates last week, and I can tell you we wouldn't even be close to that number if it weren't for our Free Talk Live amplifiers. You guys make it possible. Thank you to everybody who is currently amping the show and anybody who's amped in the past, no matter how long it was for because uh, sometimes people drop off due to financial difficulty or, or whatever, you know, things are happening in their life. And 
they have to cancel for some reason. But thanks for everybody who has, uh, who's ever amped. And if you haven't done it yet, please join up and get some perks like amp, uh, access to the Amp Only podcast, chat room, forum, and more. Get all the details, uh, PayPal or any major credit card, some of the alternative options as well. Uh, we'll get you signed up over at amp.freetalklive.com. But now, if you amp the show, you're aggressing against Eric. You you might very well be because by uh you know you'd be connected to this radio show which advocates in many ways for much either a much smaller government from Mark's perspective or in my case uh, absolutely none and uh, Julia I don't really know exactly where you're at with your perspective on the state I mean you you you're pretty much against it or what what do you how do you feel yes. about that um like I sort of said earlier I guess I would call myself a voluntarist I just like the idea of people living in small communities or larger communities if they like and sort of making their own rules for I do too that way Eric can have the you know all kinds of fascist rules if him and his fascist buddies agree right Right I just want everybody to be free to do whatever they want even if that means uh I don't know, letting people tell them what to do or whatever. That's cool. Right. I don't care. Freedom can actually mean more restrictions because if, if 100% of the people in an area agree on having a very restrictive society, you know, some sort of ultra-religious based restrictive uh, covenant society, they absolutely should be free to make those rules. Right. Themselves. But Eric says that if you take away, um, his thesis here is that if you take away the, the government that is funded by force that we have today, that you're in fact aggressing against him right, because he wants government he wants. to do certain things. Right, and if you take that uh, thesis and you apply it to everybody else, uh, you know, from every other political spectrum, that means that anybody who uh, changes the government in any way, so if you vote for a new president, um, uh, you know, you, you, if you vote for somebody who's not the incumbent, then you're aggressing against him. And right. honestly, I think you could still use this same thesis and apply it to the opposite, which is if you don't vote for the things that I want and change the government in the way that I want, then you're aggressing against me. I'm sorry. So if you don't do exactly what Eric wants, then it's aggression against Eric. That's, that's the way it is. Eric wants something. He's willing to steal to get it. it currently, we steal to get the things that Eric I wants. Steal. Um, well, the government steals to get things gotcha. uh, that the, the Eric wants, and he uh, and some things he probably doesn't want. Absolutely true, but he'd be aggressing if he wanted to change that. Which is very strange because he's basically saying, on one hand, you shouldn't be an anarchist because you're aggressing, but on the other hand, you also shouldn't use the system to change the system because that's aggression as well. Let me continue with his email. He says, "Haha! Now that I have destroyed your viewpoint, all I, your bases are ours." I, I added the "haha," but anyway, now that I have destroyed your viewpoint, what are you going to do? If you are moral people, here is what you will do. All right, he's going to lay it out for you now. You will re- you will reject your violent volunteerism and support the very best in all caps political candidates that are closest in all caps to your views and in all caps who have a real in all caps chance of getting elected. So you I are supposed to use the system. I generally do do that, but um, I don't see how that's not aggressing against him. No, no, Mark, you haven't supported people that have a real chance of getting elected. You supported Ron Paul. He didn't have a real chance of getting he elected. He doesn't say that. I think I thought oh, he he'll, did. He'll give you a suggestion here in a moment. He says, uh, if you admit that I am right, this means you will vote for someone like Sarah Palin, for example. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. She's the, she is a, uh, she's close to your viewpoint, right? No. She's, uh, you know, oh, what, I what about Barack Obama? He's close, right? No. No? Well, then who do you vote, who do you vote for then? I, I, you know, I, uh, Sarah Palin has has been the enigma for me of the four pe- four uh, crapheads that were running uh, for office. Uh, 
you know, the uh, in 2008 for the presidential seat. Sarah Palin was my favorite of the Are four. Are you sure heads. you just don't think she's hot? Yeah, he just wants to jump her bones. Eh, she really doesn't do much for me. She's a little too plasticky. But um, you know, I, I doesn't do much was the key word. She like, does a little bit for you. Huh? I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I think that she, to, to me, she was the most attractive of the candidates, but not, uh, uh, you know, not a, a good, not not Ron Paul and not by a long shot. Um, so he says, but you won't. What you will do is read this email on the air with some stupid fake accent. I didn't do any accents for this one. You just one. did Wait, for the last will, segment, actually. But you won't. You'd read this fake accent. You <laughs> dummies. And you'll laugh all the way to a communist <laughs> empire with Barack Obama as your leader. Look, if you don't want Barack Obama, Eric, you're aggressing against me. I mean, this is, it's a stupid thesis, Eric. I'm sorry. It doesn't work. But um, I would like to point out, Eric, that um, your vote, when you voted for whatever the candidate was that you voted for, and I'll take John McCain as a guess, um, there in whatever town you, like you were in, um, didn't matter. It didn't count. It didn't do crap because you lost. McCain didn't, get, didn't win. So your vote didn't count. Ha, ha, ha. He says, I do have hope. That you will change your views and realize I am right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, unless you, unless, you, uh, unless you support secession of your state, I do not agree with you. I can suggest a way to make this happen. <laughs> now I'm going to bring the accent in. Read the Bible and accept Jesus. Except spelled E-X-C-E-P-T. <laughs> accept Jesus. Read the Bible and accept Jesus as your Savior. <laughs> Well, the Bible wouldn't really be much good if you accepted Jesus from it, right? I mean, Except as in taken out. At that point, it then becomes not only a ludicrous document, but an immoral ludicrous document as far as I'm concerned. The reason I keep emailing you is because I realize... Be, okay, yes, this is his <laughs> sentence here. The reason I keep emailing you is because I realize is that I am not disagreeing with you. I am disagreeing with the powers and principalities that are infesting your brain. So that's that's demons. Uh, if you if you know the, that that's that's a biblical verse. The, <laughs> the powers and principalities and rulers and heavenly places. This is the idea that the, that demons are sticking pitchforks in our brains and making us uh, uh, do whatever it is that we do, which doesn't really make a lot of sense since de- demons are not considered creative beings. Um, God creates demons can't. So how is it that they can get in your brain and do anything? That doesn't really make any sense. I mean. How can I mean, I suppose you could say that they might be able to move things in the corporeal world, but how can they change my mind or something that doesn't really to me it it's the weakest argument on the idea of spirits, ghosts, goblins, and uh, angels and demons and what this guy probably doesn't know is that if you had met Mark five or six years ago, he probably would have voted for Sarah Palin or somebody like Sarah Palin. Yeah, it's true. I was just a regular old Republican about five years ago. Um, That's before you became demonically possessed <laughs> by these ideas of volunteerism and working non-aggression. In this, working in the same studio with you would certainly do it. Those demons are in favor of non-aggression. I'm sorry that the ideas of uh, liberty are just too powerful for one to sit here and advocate for violence against other people. Well, it's difficult. It's funny to me that he called you and what you think violent because, in my opinion... Uh, this this position is is the most moral, loving, caring position that you can come from. And Sarah Palin, I think, advocated for bombing uh, the Ukraine to, to, to the Stone Age and or something like that. I don't like Obama either, and I didn't vote for Obama, and I don't like communism. So 
Right, it's a false. He's just in this dichotomy, this false choice uh, paradigm. If I would have voted, if you're for, against Sarah Palin, you must be in favor of Obama and in favor of communism. If I would have voted for Barack Obama or voted for uh, John McCain or voted for Mickey Mouse, it wouldn't have changed the election at all. Because, well, sorry, that's that's not how our electoral process works. God bless you and God bless the USA. In Christ, Eric Klafschnekel. P.S. Get saved seriously. Let's go to your <laughs> phone calls. Jackson Charleston, listening to WVTS. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jack. Hello. Jack, what's on your mind? Well, I was, uh, what you were talking about government earlier, and it kind of digressed somewhere else. But uh, government here in the United States was established on economic reasons. Jack, I'm going to have to ask you to uh, like wrap up your thoughts in 20 seconds. Well, what I'm saying is that there was the the political philosophy of uh, John Law, John Adams, and uh, a couple other philosophers of capitalism, and that was what was uh, basically behind revolution and the foundation of our government. And I'll let you all take it. Appreciate it, Jack. Thank you for the call tonight. Tonight, it has been Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. We will return tomorrow night for the live Saturday edition. Look forward to talking to you then. And, of course, you can talk to us about whatever you want. That's the point of the program. That's why we call it Free Talk Live, the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Make a note. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. The Edgington Post interview series continues today, and um, today I have with me Jim Forsyth and uh, from the Republican Liberty Caucus of New Hampshire. Jim, uh, what's your title over there? I'm not chair of the Republican Liberty Caucus. Cool. Now, um, you've, you're a listener of Free Talk Live from, from way back, um, and uh, we've met on, on many of occasions. Um, how did you find liberty? Well, you know, kind of my value for liberty went, went way back to the time when I was a kid, and I uh, visited the Soviet Union and got to see kind of what an oppressive country looked like. So that's where I got the core values of liberty. Um, but then I served in the military for, for years, and uh, I wasn't really politically active um, until coming to New Hampshire and um, started listening to Free Talk Live and then also got involved with the Ron Paul campaign. And between those two things, mm. really realized that, that, that our liberty was slippering and I had to do something about it. And so what are you doing about it? <laughs> well, uh, you know, the thing we're here to talk about today is Republican Liberty Caucus. That's yep. something I got active with about, uh Last year, I started a PAC, the Republican Liberty PAC, uh, independently because I had uh, explored a congressional run and raised, raised a lot of money for that. Um, but then when I decided that it wasn't going to work that year, I wanted to do something with the money that I'd raised that people were willing to let keep. And so I put it towards forming a PAC to get pro-liberty Republicans elected to the state house. Uh, and then, then, then after that, after that time, there's also a national organization, the Republican Liberty Caucus. I am a member. Uh, Yep, and they value liberty at the national level, and then they, they uh, had a state chapter in New Hampshire, and they asked for me to uh, take over uh, as chairman of that state state organization. So uh, we've put the PAC and the Liberty Caucus together, and you know we've got a board, a couple of former represent current former representatives, 
Uh, so we're working to get pro liberty people elected to the state house here in New Hampshire. How's it going? Uh, well, last year was really good. Um, you know, it's been tough times for Republicans, and you know, we're the Republican Liberty Pack. Um, but we, you know, there was there was uh, I think like about 17 seats picked up um, in the last election for Republicans. And a lot of seats that were picked up were, were you know, what I would consider pro-liberty Republicans. We got, uh, out of our endorsed candidates, we got 20 elected uh, to the state house. Of course, the state house in New Hampshire is, is 400 people, but uh, 20 is a fairly significant caucus uh, of, of pro-liberty people. And, you know, these are, you know, really fairly hard for very great uh, votes when it comes to liberty and supporting the Constitution. Now, did you um, – th- there are uh, people that uh, the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance endorses. Did you endorse as many people as they did? Uh, we endorse less, actually. Um, I figured. First off, you know, yeah, they're nonpartisan, so they'll, they'll endorse people on both sides. Although I think uh, if you look at their ratings and who they endorse, it definitely leans Republican. Because, definitely. Um, the Republicans in New Hampshire, uh, unlike uh, some, some of the national level, the Republicans in New Hampshire uh, tend to be a lot better on, on liberty than, than the Democrats. So, so yeah, they they, um, they did a survey just just like we did, and um, you know there were certainly some people that they endorsed that we didn't uh, on the Republican side. I think I think our survey wound up to be fairly discerning uh, and, and and fairly strict. So we're, I was really happy with with the survey that we put together. And plus, we also look at we we look at the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance's ratings, and then there's also a House Republican Alliance. Um, that, that votes that, that rates based on the platform, and the, the platform of the Republican Party in New Hampshire is actually is, is very pro liberty for the most part. So yeah. we look at those just don't be gay. For incumbents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the issue. that's that's their one issue. But whatever, you know, I mean, that's the only thing they really can do on a state level level, and it's one of the reasons I generally vote for Republicans on uh, um, state and and local issues. But I like you said, Republicans really are different up here in New Hampshire than they are around the nation. I know people just can't possibly believe this; they're listening in different places. But they they yeah, that's what I, that, that's what I tell people is the Republican Party in New Hampshire has got more libertarians elected than the libertarians ever have. Uh, you know, and I, I say that tongue in cheek, but I think it's true. A lot of the, you know, uh, a lot of the people that have, in the state house are, are very libertarian. It's abs- it's absolutely true. There's a lot of uh, rather principled people um, in, right. in, are already elected. Now you had uh, 20 people that you endorsed, and no, how we, we got 20 we got 20 people elected. Excuse me, how many? Uh, let's see. In the, it, before the primary, I think we had about 70 people endorsed okay. out of probably 300 people running. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all the seats were filled. With, with candidates, and uh, we had 50 people pass the primary, and then of those 50, we got 20 elected. I think it's 21. Okay. <laughs> so um, so what are you going to do? Uh, what, 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 what are you guys ramping up to do to get uh, pro-liberty candidates running for the Republican uh, Party? Because I, I would figure your organization is basically a primary uh, election organization as opposed to the, the general. Certainly you want to get people through the general election, but you're trying to get people you know the 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 republican first off you're trying to provide people with a liberty liberty choice under the republican ticket and then you're hopefully getting that guy to or gal to win the republican nomination and then uh, do you sort of take a back seat a little bit more or what how's that go well um we're definitely going to focus on the primary and, and and last year we didn't do that we focused on the primary and the general okay um but but our feel is is that you know the republican party is doing a very good job this year fundraising, and I think they're going to support candidates once they're past the primaries pretty well. So we're really going to focus on the primaries to make sure that people come out of the primaries are as good as possible. So, yeah, we're definitely going to put effort 
in terms of fundraising effort into the primary. Um, but then certainly we want our volunteers to help people in the primary and the general. And so that's what next next no uh, what September for the primary is that what you're looking at? Right, September primary and November general they're they're pretty close back to back to each other. I think it's I think it's a good plan because I think that the Republicans by and large are going to pick up seats again in New Hampshire just because well people are disenchanted with Barack Obama and I I wish the electorate was a little more educated and understood that there was there's a difference between. Uh, you know, state Republicans and national Republicans and state Democrats and national Democrats, and I wish they knew who they were voting for, but they don't. And the fact is, I suspect we'll find more Republicans getting elected. Yeah, and that, that's definitely something I've tried to educate, or you know, our PAC and our Liberty Caucus has tried to educate folks on, is because in 2006 and 2008, um, you know, there was a big backlash against the national Republicans, and, and you know, that was really, in a lot of senses, for good reason. But then they threw out some very good people at the state level, and then we're winding up now getting income tax pushed and taxes on businesses, um, really, really hurting our economy now with what's going on in Congress. Yeah, and they they don't care what the economy looks like. Uh, they know that you know the Democrats know that they don't have very long, and they're going to try to push through whatever they have, whatever they can, in that uh, in that time frame. Yep. So, um. I, I guess I should probably ask for uh, some of our more non-political type listeners who like this stuff. What makes you think that uh, you know we're supporting the Republicans is going to do us any good? Well, I, I don't think blindly supporting any party is going to do anybody any good. I think you you always have to look at um, the candidates and what they stand for, um, and that's why our organization exists is to make sure to try to make sure that the Republicans in New Hampshire stand for liberty as much as possible. Um, so. So, I, you know, that, that's what I would say. Um, but, you know, like I said, in New Hampshire, there's a proud tradition of liberty. Yet we, we have no sales or income tax, and that's because Republicans have been in power up until the recent past. Um, I guess the other thing I'd want to mention, too, is, is, you know, one of the reasons I'm focusing my efforts on the state level is because, you know, we, we've sent people to Washington that, that, that say the right things, and it seems like we never, the government never shrinks. It always grows, no matter who we send down Um and so I'm, very, I'm fairly skeptical that the solution to our problems is going to come to the federal level. And, you know, I think starting to push states' rights at, uh, from the state house up is probably more likely going to, going to gain its freedom than to send good people to Washington. It seems like so, it to me. Uh, I mean, I've, I've seen a couple, I've seen a uh, candidate, and I imagine you guys are going to endorse him, Bob Guida, who uh, seems like a pretty good guy to, you know, that, that wants to go to the U.S. House and... You know, I, I I threw a couple of bucks his way just because he says some of the things that I like. Essentially, at this point, if somebody says that they they want to kill the Federal Reserve, I you know I'll vote for him. I'll give him my money, whatever. Um, I'll give him some money because that's the one issue that I feel on the national level really matters. Um, I'd love to see people get out of uh, out of the the senseless wars that it that we're in and everything. But you know, then you have, I I just I feel the Federal Reserve is such an important issue. Yeah, for me, it's uh, the Federal Reserve is an important issue, and um, and having more restraint foreign policy. And those those are my two issues. I you, know, you have to be good on those for my support. And I do do support Bob Guida. Um, I, I do think he's kind of a true believer in liberty, and, and so he'll go down with those principles, and uh, you know, and fight for. Yeah, well, he's um, he's been elected in different places, and, and the evidence shows that he will uh, he will stand up in most circumstances for for what he believes right. in. 
Now you were saying but, that you but, um, you know you you don't like the 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 inter the adventurous foreign policy that that we have, and I really should we should mention you're you're an officer um, from the Air Force. So you know how does that jibe? Tell me about it. Um, yeah, I was, I was an Air Force. Uh, yeah, I was an Air Force officer, and um, definitely proud of my service. But 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 like you know, Clinton sent us to Bosnia, and that was essentially a civil war. Uh, but we went in there and kind of took sides with the Muslims. Uh, you know, it was it was not a wise thing to do, and I don't think it was a proper use of our military. So I, I've always you know I'll be, I've always been frustrated with that. Um, you know, I, I'm definitely a strong believer in a strong defense, and if someone attacks us, you know, we declare war, we go in with full force. And take that person, that that person or group out, and then we get back out and come home. So, uh, yeah, there seems to be a lot of nation. Sorry, that's not an attitude you see either party supporting very well. Although, you know, there's there's been some positive developments. uh, You know, with with uh, Iran, Paul certainly supports that. uh, Walter Jones. um, So, so that you're starting to get some Republican standing for those values. So, I'm happy to see that. Same here. So, um, if people are moving are moving to New Hampshire, they want to get involved in sort of the p- political process, um, you know, either supporting candidates or perhaps getting ready for a run themselves at some point. They believe the political process is, is a way, a path to liberty. What kind of advice do you have for them? Well, I'd definitely dive in with both feet. The neat thing about New, New Hampshire is, is that politics is so accessible with, with 400 state reps, one for every 3,000 people. Um, I mean, you can reach out to these people and, be, and, and become friends with them, get to know them. Uh, you can also show up at the state house. Um, in terms of organizations, obviously I'd like people to come here to, to join our organization support our candidates. Um, but also New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, um, you know, they, they, rate, they rate bills based on freedom, and that's something, you know, we don't have the time or uh, ability to do that, and we shouldn't bother to do that. So yeah, why, why, no, don't need to repeat those efforts. Right, right. So, um, so we definitely work with them rather than compete with them. So they're definitely a great organization as well. So, what what distinguishes you from the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance? Why, you know, why should people pay attention to the Republican Liberty Caucus of New Hampshire? Well, I mean, um, we are partisan, and you know, part of that, part of the reason why I'm involved with it is I'm also interested in, in running, and so I, I need to pick pick a side, and in New Hampshire, that's clear to the, the Republicans that stand for liberty mm-hmm. uh, more often than not, although we do have Joel Winters as a great Democratic rep who believes in freedom. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess if you want to get active uh, you know, politically and try to improve the Republican Party, you get involved with us. Uh, you know, if, you want, if you're more interested in a nonpartisan approach, you know, get involved with the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, or, or obviously get, you, know, you get involved with both as well. Uh, I'm a member of the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. Yeah, I think that that's the way to go. Um, in my opinion, you can get involved with both and see what you can do to to help people. And um, you know, I'd I'd like to see these uh, liberty loving individuals get get an opportunity to get into the primary, get a chance to get through the primary. Um, I, you know, does the Republican Liberty Caucus, uh, you know, it funds candidates to some extent, right? Yeah, and that's the neat thing is is because of the grassroots nature of house races in New Hampshire. Uh, we can actually have a big impact. We raised thirty thousand dollars, actually about thirty-five thousand dollars, and we got another eight thousand dollars from Rock Paul's pack towards our candidates. You know, so each each candidate either got around three hundred dollars or uh, got some direct mail done on their behalf. Um, and typically, in a house race, you might spend a couple hundred dollars for signs. You might spend as much as two thousand dollars if you do some direct mail. So, so we had a significant impact. And, you know, there's a number of reps that said, you know, without us, you know, they wouldn't have been able to get elected. So. Could definitely have, have a big impact, 
small contribution. Jim Forsyth, thank for thank you for your time today. Anything else you uh, want to you know let let the listeners know? Um, just that uh, I'm also exploring a run for state senate, Senate District Four. So if anybody's interested in that, jimforsyth.com for the for the pack, they can go to nhrliberty.org. Nhrliberty.org. Right. And got to get the R in there as opposed to NH Liberty. Oh, that makes sense. NHR Liberty. Gotcha. <laughs> NH Liberty. Yep. Okay. Um, and both and and I am, by the way, uh, donating to your campaign. I think that you're one of the candidates out there that, uh, you know, is worth supporting. I think, you know, I'm I'm not one of these people that says that I'm not going to support anybody unless they're 100% liberty, although I know that by and large you and I agree on just about everything. But I, I think that it's worth supporting somebody who's, you know, 80 85% or something like that, and I think that the, that's what the RLC is doing too. Yeah, that's that's our standard, 80% or more, and, and – um... That's what we look for for our team. Cool. And, um, and, I, and I appreciate your, I really appreciate your support. Yeah, no, no problem. I, I appreciate you running. Um, and I'd like to, to say that um, I've had the opportunity to interact with you on the RLC and H boards. And um, we have a, you know, we have quite a contingent of just regular old conservative type Republicans that are in as, a, you know, members of that organization that interact on the boards. And I really like the way you come in and interject the voice of liberty. I love the fact that you're the chairman, and I think that it's uh, it's only a good thing for the Republican Liberty Caucus of New Hampshire. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Yep. Thanks very much, Jim Forsyth. Thank you. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.